The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Funny, real funny. <laughs> and those hilarious sound effects you hear come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, who is not actually in Brooklyn at this point, at this moment. One agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? And in that vein. Indeed. And you can find this here podcast on uh, the Cole Slither Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find it, this on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, like Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Spotify, excuse me, or the Cole Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you, you know, you can also find us, uh, streaming on Twitch right now, which we're doing at this very moment. And also on the YouTube channel of the, the click nation. That's the click nation, uh, the K L I Q N A T I O N. But if you're here, you already know that, but if you're catching us after the fact, Hey, there you go. Uh, we are going to start off with, uh, the, the comic books as we do. We're going to start off with the, well, one of the big, well, I guess this is the book. Actually, literally and figuratively, big book of the week. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number 49, 49, a.k.a. Amazing Spider-Man 850. Right-o. So, yeah, um, this, a lot of stuff, in addition to being a big anniversary issues, and we got a couple of backups, uh, this is kind of a turning point in... Well, I don't know if it's even start, we can even say it's a turning point in the chapter of this scene either. But we basically know that um, uh, is a four part story uh, dealing with Spidey and the whole Norman Osborn thing, uh, dealing with uh, Sin Eater, and also the other factor of the um, the the Fellowship of this Web or whatever they call themselves. I can't remember what it is at this point, uh, but. Um, and all of that kind of coming together in this story. Order of the Web? The Order of the Web, that's correct, yeah. So, but um, everything seems to be, seems to be 
continuing to go along the the path that was set before it. Uh, and apparently the order figures this out and kind of sort of late, but we're kind of skipping ahead. Uh, the first part is pretty much uh, the so surprising team up of one Spider-Man, Peter Parker and um, uh, Norman Osborn, the green goblin. Um, and also, you know, some history kind of being talked about, you know, between the two being talked about during the course of the, the, um, the first couple of chapters, you know, of course they have a long, uh, storied history with each other. And, um, you know, the, the, the first couple of chapters kind of, kind of gets rehashes into that. And it, the thing that tripped me out was about it. Cause I totally forgot that Osborne knew, um, that Peter was Spider-Man. So that part right. kind of messed me up for a second. I'm like, wait a minute, when does it? Oh, right. Yeah. Right. And they even, unfortunately, um, I'm having to go off of memory here. So uh, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen. But, um, uh, you know, there's a few things that pop up during this main issue, this main story um, in this anniversary issue. Um, as Roddy Cat mentioned, we're dealing with Spider-Man, and the Green Goblin essentially working through a lot of their issues in order to keep each other alive. And, you know, they have to, uh, they're facing a, a super, like, forget, uh, super powered, like, a, um, and a, well, what I called him was an Amazo Android um, uh, uh, alternate, uh, alter, alternative. And I'm speaking of the Sin Eater because essentially what the Sin Eater has been powered up uh, to become is like an amazo android because the second he shoots you with his mystical shotgun he absorbs your powers so uh at this point we find out that he has shot the juggernaut and again because of covid and because of the release schedules for certain things we're not sure if this is the juggernaut uh when he still had the the, the, uh, the gem of sidorak or if this is the different version of the juggernaut that is the star that is currently starring in his um right his current miniseries right yeah Written, i kind of wondered uh, go i'm sorry no no i was just gonna say um uh that 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 uh that we had just seen maybe a few weeks ago right you were saying right which i was gonna say that i'm kind of thinking this might be before because this seems more like juggernaut in his classic form where in in that new one is his new one which if that is if that kind of bears out that this was pretty much before that because you know we see what happens to the the classic armor uh in that juggernaut issue so yeah right. I, I thought about that myself and i'm kind of thinking it's probably before right and we have to you know and then we have to think of what happened you know when uh when that when that occurs in the sense that um well maybe he gets it back because the reason why i think maybe he gets it back at the end of that series is because um, the timing is so off, mm. you know, like the entirety of Hawksbox basically happened, um, you know, in between, you know, he's basically exiled from Krakoa. Um, right. So it's, it, you know, I'm not going get, to get into it because at some point someone over at Marvel hopefully will, uh, will, will figure out a, a, a timeline to kind of, uh, uh, to kind of uh, shoehorn this particular story into the continuity um, but in, in any event, getting back to uh, Amazing Spider-Man, um, Norman and Peter, and they're literally call, they're literally calling themselves that by first name, 
uh, throughout the you know, yeah kind of willy nilly yeah right because well uh, at this point I don't think the sin eater uh, you know I, I don't at this point I don't think uh, it's any secret to the sin eater who they are so I don't think they they're they're uh, beholden to their secret identities at this point sure. um, we find out that uh, Norman is uh, leading uh, Spider Man to some stuff that he's been working on as a result of being put in charge of, of uh, Ravencroft and Peter Spider-Man is basically, you know, the entire time thinking, you know, there's something going on, there's something going on right underneath his nose, but they're too busy trying to stay alive. And as Roddy Cap mentioned, the order of the web, which I think is the name of their little uh, group, that sounds um, right. Which is essentially the, uh, the, spy, uh, the, the the other spiders in the six one six. Some would say the uh, other web warriors minus you know the the other other folks that are still in their other separate dimensions. Right. Um, uh, they intervene when uh, things are about to you know where, where when they intervene when Spidey essentially uh, is able to uh, duplicate his previous victory over the juggernaut or at least temporarily mm-hmm. and uh, Norman Osborn double crosses uh, Peter Parker and just as Pete's about to uh, uh, literally uh, drown in liquefied concrete uh, the, the, uh, the order of the web comes to, uh, to save him and we have some follow up this is not the finale of the story by any means right. this is just a large chapter to it and right. that's where we—that's where we find ourselves at the end of the issue, or at least the end of this main story. Well, where Norman is uh, Norman is dealt with, but not with, but nowhere near with any finality, and he's on his way to do stuff that may have been prophesied by uh, by Madame Web, aka Julia Carpenter. Right. Well, yeah, I was gonna—that was what I was gonna mention, but I was gonna add to the part was like, yeah, so. Uh, the little crux between that part, there was a little conversation, which actually brings back to what you were talking about, about them saying their, you know, just saying their names, just all willy nilly. Um, but, uh, when, when Peter is saved by the group, he pretty much does. He was like, he's just pretty much calling them by their names, which you didn't, you didn't think anything. Well, I was like, you know, well, why would you do that, Peter? But honestly, you know, he just, you know, not even thinking about it at the time, but it comes up uh, right after that when they're trying to get away, when they're all trying to get away in um, in Osborne sub. Which, by the way, I there's part of me, you know, would be remiss without thinking that Ravencroft has turned into seemed like definitely uh, an Arkham Asylum uh, type for Marvel, but also because of the fact that like the uh, Arkham Asylum, Batman has some stuff, you know, at least in the game part anyway, <laughs> uh, Batman has a lot of stuff hidden in Arkham Asylum to, to use for his means, just like uh, Osborne does in this one. And that's what kind of made me think about that. But that being the case, one of those things get used to for them to escape, which is an underground sub that leads, uh, that leads out of there. And while they're trying to get away, um, Osborne remembers that he hears P- Peter mentions one of them by name. Uh, and that kind of starts up a whole conversation and goes to uh, pretty much uh, kick off the choice that Peter ends up making and what Agent 70 just said. Right, right. Um, 
Yeah, there's a reference to uh, a rather infamous story in the movie Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Hmm, something's wrong with your mic. Hello? I, I can hear you, but you just kind of sound... Um... It's like you sound like you're on a radio or something. Oh, well, let's see if we can fix that. So, I'm definitely on a headphone set. So oh, you sound, yeah, you sound good. muffled. Yeah, it's a little different. So, but um, I'll try to speak as clearly and as succinctly as I can. Uh, what, what, I forget the name of the story, and that's what I was going to pick up. It was the, uh, the story where it was revealed that the women of the space was counting it on. And that was well, referred to, and that gave me all the creepy vibes. So, I'm sure you heard, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you got there that. There we go, that's better. Whatever you just did had worked. Oh, okay. Well, uh, in any event, um, uh, I'm sure you got that reference, correct? For, I'm sorry, say it again. You got the reference about, uh, I forget, was it Sins of the Father? Was that the name of the story? I can't remember. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. It was, right? I believe so. I would have to go back and check, honestly, because, you know, but that sounds right. I'm literally Googling that now because it it, it seemed to, um, it seemed to to, to ring a bell, but uh, maybe not. Right. Which now, you know, got me thinking, I kind of wish we had, but we didn't think about that, or, or we may have thought about it, but we didn't, you know, really say anything about it. When we were doing uh, event books, I kind of wish we had done uh, the whole Sin Eater storyline. Oh, oh, okay. But, you know. No, it's Sin's Past. Sin's Past. Okay, yeah, that, you know. It was called Sin's Past, the Gwen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But regardless, Since, yeah. So yeah, no. There's a there's a direct reference to that, um, and uh, yeah, it brought it brought back a bunch of weird and kind of icky memories of, of trying to figure that one out. So yeah, but uh, yeah, like Roddy Cat said, that's what kind of leads Peter Parker into making the decision that he makes. And and as I said earlier, we are not close to the end of the storyline because this is related to we are left with a kindred cliffhanger at the end, mm-hmm. and. Um, Sport, mild, mild spoiler alerts here. I'm going to ring the bell because I'm going to ask Rodicat who he thinks Kindred might be. So, spoiler bell in three, two, one. So, that is, what, I'm still not entirely sure. There is a definitely, there is, I have seen an article about it recently um, that somebody wrote, and I didn't, I was going to pull it because I just kind of was curious about who they thought it was going to be, but I hadn't yet, which I'm probably glad I didn't. Because that would have probably informed what what I would have said anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we know who is not. Because, uh, but yeah, I'm not. I, I at this point, I'm still not entirely sure. Do you have a thought? Yeah. I'm in between two people. Okay. I I think the obvious one, and I read it. I, it might have been the same article you might be referencing. I think the obvious candidate is Harry. Right, Harry Osborne. Sure, sure. Right. The other one is some one of the one of the hobgoblins that had demonic powers. I think maybe went back and got an upgrade. Mm. Because that's my guess. Oh, you know, or maybe Jack o' Lantern. Jack o' Lantern, right? 
like one of those one of those hobgoblin types that had a demonic connection mm. and maybe gotten an upgrade. Although That's I think what, I want to say Jack Lantern might be still in the hell because I thought that might have come up recently, but. Right. That's yeah. my guess. I mean, those are my, those I think are, 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 are mine. Um, mm. the, the, the Harry, the Harry Osborne one is the one that's informed by the article that I read. Mm. The other one is my thought because, um, I think the Harry one is the strongest one because he's got such a, uh, a mad on for, um, for Norman Osborne. And but I feel like time, that one would make sense. That would make sense given what, Norman said in the beginning of the issue. Right. Right. Mm. But at the same time, you know, anyone that is connected to the goblin is going to have a mad on for Norman. And that would include all of the hobgoblins. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and there is, there has been a demo goblin. There has been, you know, lots of, um, uh, uh, supernatural stuff involved with, various editions of the hobgoblin so that's also a strong possibility like i said now did you say that i wouldn't be surprised if it would be the, it was the original hobgoblin right yeah right because they you know because they were all stealing from osborne's uh weapon stash mm-hmm. you know so they're not exactly fans of norman to begin with uh, hmm. so you know in any event uh, you know, we can move on from that to any of the backup stories. If you have anything to say, uh, you know, um, I'll just repeat what I told you earlier in the uh, before we started in that. So, yeah, so, so there's two backup stories, one written by Kurt Busiek with uh, art by Chris Bacalo or Bacalo. We still hadn't really come down on that one. Um or well, we might have previous regardless uh that one i enjoyed that one because uh it's you know not because of all the the, the beatles references that is that is uh that it's you know named and come off of but also chris buckler's art <laughs> so what i said that was my thing i was literally singing along uh <laughs> as, as busiek was making uh various uh beatles references yeah. because it's really an evergreen story um you know, despite the fact that that music is further and further in our past every day that goes on, mm-hmm. um, every day that passes, uh, it's still, you know, it's still, it, it's still, I don't want to say everlasting because, you know, very few things are, but we're still definitely in an era where uh, Beatles music is, is alive and well. Right. So in the story uh, is just, you know, it's a, it's light fair, you know, believe it or not, that Red Raja character is a real character. I oh, yeah. He made Figure. that. Yeah. You know, we had talked about it, I think. I think we were, we were going to talk about it, but yeah, um, we didn't necessarily get it, get into it. Um, right. But, but yeah, the whole Beatles thing and the whole red, yeah, because I was like that whole, I thought that certain thing was like that red Raja is, Raja is made up, but then there was a, a there was a, um, illusion made in the story that kind of made me just like, okay, this is clearly coming from something, yeah, from something right, famous. A pre-existing character that that Busiek just decided to uh, to fold into the, into the story. So right, um, right, and, and we uh, kind of got I a mean, sort of a time frame for the story because it's you know, but not really. Well, I would I would say that um, there's definitely uh, a, a rubber band continuity factor mm. here because the reason why I say that is. Um, Peter is still a daily bugle photographer. Um, you know, essentially he's like a young adult still in, in college or grad school 
uh, still working at the Bugle, as I said. And but he's also wearing gigantic headphones that are wireless. Yeah. So you know that, that's the part where the rubber band continuity comes into play, and you have to think, wow, how long have we had gigantic wireless headphones? And then you think, hey, my Beats headphones are pretty old at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, but at the same time, this kind of goes back to just like I, I usually I usually kind of grouse about with you know the the language that's sometimes used in the stories. Like this could be a part of that, but at the same time, like I was like, yeah, this is kind of that. But I was like, okay, I'm a I'm gonna let this one pass. Right, right. I noticed that specifically because I am a purveyor. I'm a, I'm a, a oh, believe me, I noticed it too. Wireless headphones, right? You know, because at first, when matter of fact, when you see the first page with with, with uh, you know with him and the 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 phones, I'm sitting like, wait, wait, did they? This is this like a almost like an animated Spidey one, which is like a younger version, and you know, are, are we doing something off of that? But no, it wasn't the case. Um, but the last story was totally rubber band. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You are totally right about that. But the last story was, uh, it's written by Trad, uh, Trad Moore, who I believe is, is an artist. Yeah. But is doing his first writing. Yeah. Um, and I forgot who did the art. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a about to look. I'm looking at right now. While I'm doing that, um, which it was trippy. That's all. Like the, the main thing about it was like it was a real trippy story. Uh, it was. It was the Tradmore. Like uh, if you think of what Tradmore's art looks like, he mm-hmm. basically writes the same way. Right. You know, he's his storytelling style. Comes that checks out. out. In this book exactly. Yeah, it's kind of there's a weird um, matter of fact. Wait, didn't did. Tradmore do uh, Silver Surfer Black? Yes, he did Silver Surfer Black. He started out on uh, all fact, the Ghost Rider. Yeah, in fact, he, he, first he but yeah, he was on Silver Surfer Black most recently. Okay, in fact, he wrote and was did the art for it. I thought somebody else did the art for it. So yeah, he wrote well, and for, for this for this story. Yeah. Oh, for this story, yeah, for this story. No, he did. Someone else did the art. He just wrote it. Right. No, no, no. It says here he's writer and artist, but he oh, didn't do he? the cut. Okay. Yeah, but uh, Tamara Bonvillain did the colorist. Was the colorist? Gotcha. Um, and yeah, so that makes a whole lot of sense because I was going to say it was his trippy style from Silver Server Black, which is, it is a more restrained version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last story was, which I was kind of slightly surprised to see, but not so much. Was uh, the the uh, last story was from Saladin Ahmed and uh, Aaron Cooter on art. Um, oh, 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 yeah, that's right. Yes, the 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 Starling story. Uh, so is a story with the uh, with Starling, which uh, has a uh, vulture in it because vulture's her uh, granddad, and her meeting Peter for the first time. Um, that ends out kind of amusingly. Right. Part of it. Uh, what I was going to add about this is that uh, part of it sort of makes sense because this would not necessarily be good in the pages of the Miles book because it would take up kind of valuable real estate from his storytelling. Right. Some you know, would argue... You know, telling, telling Miles' story. Right. So, some would argue this might come somewhere either before or between some, some like, the recent stuff anyway because it would make sense. The realization that she comes to at the end of this story would make sense as to why she does what she she's doing in um, Miles' book. Champion. Right. right. So... Without giving too much away, I, it's 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 a it's a pretty cool read. I, I thought, but I was like, that was cool to see. You know, 
um, and in the direction, whatever it may be, with the, with the Startling and um, Speeder uh, and Spider and Spider Man. Right. Peter. And interesting about it is that we get a little bit more backstory on on uh, Starling, believe it mm-hmm. or not. Even though, even though um, you know we, we learned uh, a little bit about her in the pages of Miles, uh, Miles's book. You know, we find out that she's apparently a talented artist. Mm-hmm. And you know that that spoke to me when I read that uh, he got uh, that that the vulture got his granddaughter some nice like special fancy uh, sketching pencils. I'm like, oh, that's that's something I always wanted. I actually had to buy that for myself. Right. So that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was a nice little story. It was um, Saladin Ahmed and I believe Aaron Cooter on art. Correct. So uh, that was a nice little uh, nice little addition. It's not every day that we read these backup stories, but it seemed like these backup stories had purpose. I usually try to check them out just to see if there's anything. Like sometimes there's something that might in become, you know, sometimes it might be a, a, a something that's coming off of the, the the main story, or sometimes as these things seem to go, they're just like kind of one off or stuff they already had or whatever the case may be. Like some of these might be that you know, just other story that have nothing to do with nothing. Like these, this is that this is the latter case, but they were still fun to read. Although we don't know whether that Starling thing is going to come up into something. I mean, we could infer that it's like we just said, and kind of infers her choices now, um, and probably going forward in, in Miles's book. But you know, yeah. we, we don't necessarily know. All right, so I that think we're done with amazing. Yeah, we 49. pretty much did that one. Um, What's next? You know what? Let's go ahead and do the extra stuff. Go ahead and get that out of the way. So we'll sure. go to Wolverine number six first, since that is the next chapter. Wolverine. Allow me a moment. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm pulling up this book because, yeah, this week because of uh, uh, several things going on, including virtual New York Comic Con. Uh, led to a little bit of a scramble in getting all review copies this week. Um, I neglected to actually bring my physical copies that I did buy and read last night with me today, so uh, it's just taking me a, a minute to uh, to pull this book up. But yeah, we are officially in part three of 22. <laughs> 22 of uh, Ten of Swords. And we, you know, and this book is by uh, Ben Percy and uh, drawn by Victor uh, Bogdanovich. And I believe it's Matt Wilson on colors. Um, uh, you know, this book opens with Wolverine having a tete-a-tete with uh, Krakoa because this is the immediate aftermath of the declaration of the, uh, the contest of champions, for lack of a better term, between Arako and Krakoa um, in, in the or previous chapter. Said, the best turn term right and uh wolverine is basically uh you know confronting krakoa regarding what he believes is krakoa's uh uh willful acts Mm -hmm. with regards to um creating the circumstances that led to this confrontation between abraco and krakoa um we are led down, uh, you know, we are led down a little bit of a history path um, through both this issue and the other Ben Percy penciled, uh, uh, penned issue, that is, mm-hmm. this written issue, that, that being the next chapter. But in this issue, um, 
Wolverine is starting on his quest for the Muramasa blade, or at least the current incarnation of a Muramasa blade. What I didn't realize is that there have been a couple Muramasa blades um, in existence. Right. I always thought there was just one, but I guess that had gotten destroyed at some point, and now they are looking for the latest incarnation of it. Hmm. And I guess there's a little bit of a, before you go any further, there's a little bit of a time skip between the two chapters, if you kind of think about it, considering where he is and what happens. But yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, I mean, this issue deals with, um, well, you know, we get a little bit of an interlude with the Silver Samurai of all people who is annoyed that, um, and I love the, I love the little writing here that Percy puts in uh, that uh, Wolverine picks up on the fact that the Silver Samurai is annoyed that there is a contest of champions with swords and he is not invited right. and he is not happy about it. And Wolverine's just like, you know what? I need a lead on the Muramasa blade. You're going to help me find it. Um, the rest of this issue is really our introduction to Solom, who is one of the uh, children of Arako, not one of the four original horsemen of the apocalypse. though, mm-hmm. And, he is someone who has a very uh, contentious relationship with one of the original uh, children of Apocalypse War, uh, Flaming Headley. And <laughs> I know she has a name. I know she has a name, but there's so many new names in this. It's hard to keep track. It's Flaming Head Lady. Um, it yeah. is actually... I mean, yeah, they pretty much call her War for throughout this whole thing without using her whatever her other real name is. But right, 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 right. So, but um, if I'm not mistaken, they do use her real name at some point. But in any event, yeah, uh, there is a then and a now in this issue, and it's a little confusing because we get a then and we get a guest appearance by a long lost character one of the loves of Wolverine's life, and it threw me for a loop, mm-hmm. seeing a mild, mild spoiler alert. Like I said, this is a then portion of the book, which means we're going back into time, uh, going back to when Wolverine uh, essentially had the Muramasa blade forged for the first time. And uh, we see Mariko Yoshida, uh, and it, like I said, threw me for a gigantic loop. I was like, Mariko's here. Yeah, what? I thought that same thing. I was like, wait, huh? But right. it makes sense we get a, given the, what you end up reading. Exactly. And we get a data page that that fills us in on what uh, the conversations are that Wolverine, has, has, that Wolverine had in the past as he was on his quest to have the Miramasa blade forged for the first time. And, you know, as Roddy Cat mentioned, we get... Um, uh, a skip forward back into the now where um, Wolverine is on his quest to uh, to to uh, uh, to gain to gain the current form of the Miramasa blade or at least find Miramasa, and he finds himself confronting uh, uh, Miramasa, but uh, he is in need of help, and Wolverine apparently is currently uh, burned to. A bony crisp. Yeah, for that, for Wolverine that is, which partially doesn't make any kind of sense, but it, given this Wolverine, it, should, it makes all the sense in the world. He pretty much does a reverse Terminator too. Right, 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 right. But we don't we don't necessarily well we see we pretty much see part of that, but we don't see how he got to that point until 
the the next book that we're about to talk about, which I guess we can pretty much go on into that. Oh, absolutely. It's the next chapter. Yeah, which is X-Force number 13. And it continues. I, I basically, it's, it's, it's uh, X of Swords part four, but <laughs> Wolverine part two, essentially. Right. Uh, where Wolverine is still looking for the blade for the for the mirror on Master Blade, and we find out in this in that issue again he's still in like like uh, Agent Seven said his his bonus thing. It's the same. It's the same creative team. Which right. Is funny. Exactly. It's the exact same creative team: Ben Percy, Victor Bogdanovich, and Matt Wilson. So yeah, so you know clearly clearly things uh, things are um, going on here, which. Actually, well, hopefully when we get past Marauders, I remember this point that I was going to make, but I'll come back to it later. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much a continuation of that. And the short story is that he does end up getting the Mirror Master Blade. He ends up meeting up with Solom, uh, and they don't fight because they're going to have a fight later on. But there's also a price um, that was given that we don't get to see. Uh, but we also, you know... There's also right. a little bit of a team up between them, but we also find out the current state of Miramasa and his employment, uh, and who he's been employed by to get these blades done. And uh, Wolverine's continue, as I said, the quest to get uh, to get them from him. Right, right. And what Radikat is leaving out is that um, essentially uh, the, the price he has to pay is. Because there's two Miramasa blades, right? And that's kind of like the big weird twist uh, in this issue that um, so both Solom and Wolverine are looking for a Miramasa blade, not the Miramasa blade, right? Because so it turns out he just made two more in, in place of the one that was, you know, exactly. So that's where we have these two characters. Um, uh, you know, basically, on I guess they're on parallel quests because it seems right. like the characters of the children of Araco are on the same quest that the X Men are. Right, and yeah, I guess the, the part that well, no, we did talk, we did talk about the other part, but yeah. So, and the, the, I guess the only other part about this that was left out was the fact that, and I'm kind of wondering if we're going to see some 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 kind of a katana type situation happening. Uh, because we find out also in this issue that not only did Miramasa make these blades, but he actually imbued part them with his sword, uh, with his soul. And, and that also comes apart because through a, the ritual, um, right. That is, that is shown in this issue. Right. My understanding is that the original Miramasa and they kind of refer to it in the Wolverine issue uh, previously, uh, the original Miramasa held a piece of Wolverine soul. Hmm. Uh, but that was destroyed, and now these have been. You know, now you know he's made new swords basically for this for this story, <laughs> right? So, needless to say, you know, Wolverine's got his swords. He made it back to Krakoa. He put it down. And he's, I guess. See, that was the other thing that's kind of tripped me out because because we saw Magic put down her sword because she was the first one. Because you know she's always down to fight. She already had it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's exactly. She didn't have to go on a quest. She's just hanging out waiting for everybody. Right. She was like, all right, let's do this. Clink, put her, you know, put the soul sword down. And then everybody else has got to go get theirs, which means she's been pretty much waiting there at the thing until everybody gets there. So right. in this is days. Right. So she's been staying. So she's been, and you know, she's kind of an impatient person. So I'm kind of, that's kind of a f- funny thought in itself. It's like, all right, can we 
finally hurry up and get this over with because I just imagine that. But regardless, we see Wolverine getting there, putting his sword down. He's there chilling now, which leads us into the next story. Uh, the right. next uh, book, Marauders yeah, number 13. I was going to say, just hold the thought. You know, uh, I mentioned this earlier. What's What always makes me uh, laugh about this and you know, more and more, I think we're going to see more of the RPG aspect, you know, that I know that Timmy Howard is such a fan of. Uh, this is something that she's done in Excalibur, and I believe she's brought it to Ten of Swords. Roddy Cat may not be um, uh, so keen on my take on these aspects, but I think we're going I'm, to see more. No, I'm happy for it. No, I'm, you know, I'm, I appreciate no, it. Be, we're going to see more questing. You know, all of these, you know, basically the, you know, the challenge has been put, put forth, but all of the, uh, the individual sword wielders are on their own individual quests to gain the swords that they need for this tournament. So uh, we have seen one such quest and now we are about to see a second. Right. Yeah. I mean, my thing was like, yeah, I mean, but I mean, this is not unlike any, like, sure, it is that what you, what, what I just said, what he's saying, but it's also like, yeah, but this is kind of thing that happens in comics anyway, uh, a lot of times. I'm like, hey, this, here's a, here's the thing they got to do, and now they got to go either find somebody or find a thing or do a thing, and, you know, their own, you know, they're, they're, they're needed to do that. So, yeah. The way, the, the reason why I, I specifically think of role playing is because they're literally looking for objects of power sure. or items, you sure. know? It's so classic. Like, I can imagine all of my, like junior high school, obviously we were all in junior high school uh, playing D and D, you know, and that that was essentially like one of those classic quests. Like we're all on the quest for treasure, and it's got a hidden weapon or a hidden gem that's going to do something cool. We got to go get it, you know. Right. And if you're keeping count, this is basically Agent Seventy saying that he really wants to do. Uh, if he's not already in one already, and I know we've talked about it behind the scenes before, but he really wants <laughs> to do. He wants. He wants to do another campaign really, really soon. Some count, somehow, some way. I, I feel like that's what he's. That's what he's uh, underlying saying. That's funny. <laughs> we had talked about it. We had actually talked about it, and we talked about uh, various aspects of. of Maybe possibly trying to put we don't put doesn't hold us to anything. But I'm just saying we talked about it behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't be surprised if it ever happens. Right, that exactly. Is right? Yeah. It is not something that is out of the realm of possibility. That is not right. even a joke. Yeah, exactly. There, there are avenues and there are there are ways to do it. And so it's just a matter of time and actually figuring out all that kind of stuff. But regardless, like I said, you know, we'll see how that works out. Marauders number thirteen, though. Um, we pivot to Storm um, on Krakoa, you know, being kind of pensive because she knows she has to go and get her sword. Uh, she's visited by one Kate Pride, you know, longtime friends um, who, you know, knows her well enough to know when she's bothered about something, when she has bothered about something she has to do. And they talk for a little bit and then she goes, uh, Storm goes off to Wakanda. Uh, and, uh, um, and I think we do get like little, you know, vignettes of all these flashes of, uh, you know, of Storm's history uh, during the course of this also. So I'll just go ahead and put that out there and before it actually comes up, but she goes to Wakanda, she meets up with Queen Ramonda and Shiri because T'Challa's not there. He's off probably, you know, fighting Moon Knight or whatever the case, you know. Yeah, yeah. Avengers stuff. Exactly. Um, but, and she, 
you know, she pretty much lays down what's going on in Krakoa and what it means for the world. And they were like, yeah, sure. We'll help you any way we, we'll, any way we can. You got, you can get, you know, you can get the finest swords or anything else. But this one was like, no, I need something particular, particular. And this one sword uh, has some meaning that she needs uh, for Wakanda in general, as stated in the story. And that is where they're like, no, we can't give you that one. And even yeah, if we... They were meatloaf. They would do anything for Storm, but right, they because, won't you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Shout out to, to Meatloaf. But, um... Um, because you know they have a history, but you know, to, you know, Storm being being a former queen of Wakanda and you know goddess in uh, Kenya, whatever she was from, um, uh, you know, all of that, all of that plays into that. But of course, this one sword that means so much to, to Wakanda uh, can only be given and used and touched by T'Challa, who is not there. So they're trying to get her to like, no, nah, just wait for T'Challa and we'll see what he says, because we can't do this because it would cause a whole lot of mess within Wakanda if we just let that roll. Uh, and as you would expect, it um, causes Sorm, who's on a time crunch, to take uh, an action. Like, you can see it coming a mile away. Of course. But... You know, and it's still kind of sad to see because it's like, oh man, she's so. If if y'all, if folks did not know, like her and T'Challa has been kind of mending fences for the last few years. Like they're not necessarily getting back together, but you can tell just things are still there. Uh, yeah, well, this pretty much kind of messes that up. So, but anyway, she goes through the course of this, and she's talking to Shuri, and they're having a chat because Shuri pretty much know feel like she knows kind of what's up, and she does you know because she could tell she knows storm well enough to know you know a, a few th- different things so they talk it's not going to be exactly no it's not going to be uh, the answer that she walks away with so exactly so even at the end of their conversation you you could tell that she kind of knows what the deal was and, and sure enough later on in the story when you know storm goes to enact the plan to get the blade without their you know uh without their consent you know, we we see you know them meet up again, and there's a little fight, and you know, and then we see uh, that get dealt with, and uh, T'Challa finally comes back, and they have some words, and surprisingly enough, well, actually not surprisingly enough, because I feel like you know if if it all being told, if it just went by the numbers and T'Challa was there, she he would it would have been like yeah I'll. Charlotte would pretty much do anything for for Storm, even that. And he, surely enough, he did kind of begrudgingly, but it was because of the way she went about it. Because once mm-hmm. he got there, she was already in the midst of stealing the thing. Um, well, she had already stolen it. Right, exactly. She, she had already stolen, stolen it and was pretty much out the door. Get away with right. She was pretty much out the door until he pops in and, and, and you know, and then they talk and they let her go with it. But at the end of this story, um, you know, they're like, all right, kill that gate. <laughs> she can't come back here no more without, you know, without us, um, you know, oh, no, without no, our no. consent. 
right. which also was, which also kind of made me think it was like well wait how are they going to get the blade back then i mean i know she could just like you know fly it back whatnot but i was like well what that would make it easy for them to bring it back if she just had a gate but well, i understand why they did that because like right, nope exactly. we're, we're cutting off we're cutting her off because she clearly and there was this whole underlying thing of like um one side believing that the other side is you know not well that the one side is thinking singularly in their thought pattern when you know when the other side is not understanding what they're trying to do basically it's like storm felt that uh they didn't understand the gravity of the situation and how much she needed it but she was also desperate enough to just go ahead and steal it anyway and the other side was like no this is something that could wait like they like they think that um you know storm they figured they they knew the gravity of the situation was heavy on storm because otherwise she wouldn't have been there but at the same time she was like well just wait for t'challa and you know we could sort it out then but they didn't realize that or it wasn't understood that like i said one storm is under time constraints what's they underestimated and that's generally yes. how these things go when you're right. trying to ask for a favor and they're like no the person in charge is you know it is out of the office right. and essentially you're just stuck waiting or you just you know take it and uh, at least fortunately for storm she was in the position to take it i wanted to make just a couple of quick notes one uh, I love that um, we have animated Storm in white versus comic book Storm in black. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna, uh, you know, we're, we're about to, it's about to go down. I'm putting on the black uniform. You, that um, is the thing with Kirk because because um, 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 Magneto did the exact same thing. Like, well, right. we're going into we're going into some some shit. <laughs> we change clothes appropriately. Exactly. So. That was funny. And the second thing is uh, uh, Storm pulls off um, a Raiders of the Lost Ark switch. And uh, mm. if you remember what I'm talking about is uh, Indy uh, switching, um, you know, not, not necessarily using a weight, but right. essentially doing the same kind of switch. Right. So full security um, uh, protocols that are in place. So um, I, I kind of got a kick out of that, even though Shuri obviously interrupts at that point, mm. but had Shuri not uh, correctly deduced what was going to happen, she would have pulled off the indie switch. Yeah, and I kind of got a kick out of that. So shout out to Vida Alaya who um, who who wrote this issue. Like I hate it. At, at a certain point, I was like, oh god, I know where this is going. And I'm gonna hate where this is going to go. And sure enough, it did get to that point, and I kind of hated this issue for that. But I enjoyed the issue because you know it was it was a decent issue. Um, but I kind of hated that because, like I said, knowing knowing you know what um what aurora and and T'Challa Wait, is this going ayala's first issue on this like i, I think she's taking in this book over if i I'm believe not it is yeah because she is taking over this book yeah right um so yeah i believe this yeah this is officially marks that i guess um but yeah knowing that T'Challa and, and aurora kind of had some history and you know they they had gone all ways to try to mend that in the past few years and now this breaking that uh is kind of a bummer but you know in in service of story i guess it kind of have had to happen this way you know and i'm sure and i know also know that i know there's a big storm story coming up uh next year supposedly we talked about uh, um uh in the past couple of weeks uh so Mm -hmm. maybe some of that's gonna actually come back up during the course of this during the course of that but i guess we'll see if and or when that happens uh, that being said, though, unless you got something else you want to bring up about it, 
No, only that um, I was looking for the Storm Thunderbird two pack, the original Storm. Because uh, I was looking at the the costume, like, oh man, that'd be a nice costume, but I really want the OG Storm, and mm. it sold out everywhere I looked around New York City, all the targets. So it's just annoying. Gotcha. Just annoying. I went out on Long Island, sold out, and then I saw today that somebody posted a picture from one of the targets I checked, and it's and it looks like they got it back in stock, and I'm sure they're all gone by now. <laughs> Understood. It's all right. So good luck. I was about to say, I was about to say, good luck to you, Roddy Cat. If you look, look for that in your local target, so I hope you find it. Um. Yeah. Remind me after the show, and I'll and I'll and I'll make a note of it. Because yeah, I'm. You mentioned that up. I totally forgot. <laughs> that being yep. said, um, right. that's ten of swords for this week, right? That is ten of swords for this week. Uh, so we will move on. We'll do one more book, and then we'll go rapid fire. Which uh, want to do miles? I was about to say we could do champions number one and Miles and and Magnificent Miss Marvel all in kind of one swoop because they're all interrelated in a sense. Um, some more than others, but sure. All right, you yeah, want to do Miles? Is, Miles is a little bit more standalone. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Yeah, Marvel and Champions. Like so right? sure, so we'd yeah. So I guess sure. In that case, we'll do. So champions if you want to do Miles, it's fine. Uh, I mean, we could do Champions oh. and get that out of the way. Yeah. So we'll do Champions number one, and then we'll do we'll do Champions Miss Marvel, and then we'll do um, Miles. And a little blinky on me just now, so uh, yeah, you were um, kind of breaking up for a second. Yeah, just uh, do me do me a favor. We're doing Champions. Yeah, we're doing oh, okay. So while he's bringing it up, I'll just start off by saying that, uh, so this is Champions number one, and for some strange reason, I thought this book had already come out, uh, but in a sense it did, because we did get a review copy like a while ago, because of, but because of you know, COVID, um, the book didn't actually come out when it was supposed to, back in April, uh, and this is uh, the outlawed storyline, if... if uh, just to, if, just to make sure people know about that part. So then this is coming after Outlawed, uh, that Outlawed one-shot number one. This is also Eve Ewing writing uh, uh, Champions. Uh, so I was, you know, ready for a treat. But I already realized in reading this issue that I'd already read this like a while ago. But that being said, so this comes after Outlawed number one and Kamala making her statement as, as um, you know, as Miss Marvel. Um... You know, and uh, from that and the whole Kratos situation is what it is. Cause, so at this point, Kratos already out there doing their thing. Um, you know, um, I was about to say, bear in mind for people who are not up to speed, um, Outlawed is essentially uh, a younger hero's version of Civil War. Pretty much. So you can go uh, go on. Yeah, yeah, that that's a pretty much true story. There's no infighting in between them, though, or at least not yet. Or I mean, because... And some of the some of the other uh, books from Outlawed have still have yet to to see the light of day, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, coming off of that, and the Kamala's law was in place, which you know, and there was a because basically there was an attack at Kamala's school, and the chambers got involved, um, and Kamala got hurt. And we see from uh, I think the last issue of Miss Marvel, you know, her. Uh, dipping in and out of consciousness and recuperate, trying to recoup from that, getting to this point uh, to where she in champions number one, where she as Miss Marvel makes, um, well, she did that in outlaw, I think, but 
she makes a public statement uh and then you know unbeknownst to the rest of the champions she makes this statement publicly uh, and then this issue finds the champions meeting in an um, in an underground spot because, as we found out in this issue, that a couple of their members had already been taken by Cradle, and so and their mobile base had also been taken. So they have to kind of meet uh, somewhere in seeking secret. Uh, but they get found out by Cradle, and there's a little bit of a fight, and some of them escape, some of them don't. Uh, and uh, we find out there's a couple of members of the team that are not there, that, that being their vision because of what happened, you know, initially. Uh, and also Ironheart Riri Williams, for whatever odd reason uh, that I forget. And I feel like that's something that kind of happened also. And, uh, or, and we will also come to find out what, what why she wasn't there. But she wasn't there, but she has, her tech was there, as this book says. And that is how... Uh, Kamala is talking to the team because she was still at the time in the hospital. Um, but, but before they got interrupted by cradle. So that fight happens. A couple of gets, people gets taken. And then we find out at the end of this issue who may or may not have something to do with them being found. And you know, it, that what just, everything that just happened in the issue happening. We don't necessarily know that, but we just know we see a figure. One of the uh, a figure that I, one of the figures that I just mentioned happens to show up at the end of this uh, uh, issue, in, in, in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And there's the implication that 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 person may have something to do with uh, them getting caught. And it would kind of makes well, we don't know their motivations behind it if that is the case, but you know, they would have the means to be able to to. to to do, you know, to get to 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 put them out there and not get caught, because exactly, no one knows where this person is. So, um, you know, I have a uh, I have a, a a weird par- I guess it's not a weird parallel, but there's a parallel between you know, um, between some of these stories and some older Avenger stories. Of course, and I'm just gonna have to file that away uh, for safekeeping. Yeah, um, and you probably you're. Yeah, and you're probably not wrong because yeah, yeah, exactly. There's been a couple of times in Avengers history where it's like, yeah, one of the team has portrayed them for some odd reason, including an, an annual or two that I can think of, um, right. or even, or, or even the, 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 you know, or even um, what essentially happens to the team because of a particular uh, character's uh, program. Let's put it that. Sure. You know. Yeah. That's which... even classic Avengers story. So well, yeah, um, I'll leave that. it at that. Um, I guess we can transition over to Miss um, Marvel um, to kind of get the next continuation mm-hmm. um, of the story. So uh, this issue of Miss Mar- Mag- the magnificent Miss Marvel finds Kamala out of the hospital now, and she is making her way back to school, and she gets uh, a greeting that she was definitely not expecting. Not the worst kind of greeting, but. Definitely a greeting she was not expecting. Nor kind of didn't seem like she wanted either. Right. And she's definitely not uh, in the mood for it, given the current, uh, given the current climate that, um, that, you know, that, uh, they're, that they're operating in, uh, in the sense that uh, these cradle agents are on the lookout for uh, all superhero teens, basically superhero teens. And they have uh, established, um, 
established regular patrols in apparently every school, not just Miles' school, but also in Kamala's school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a little bit of a reckoning when it comes to um, Kamala and Bruno, but they are interrupted by um, global warming and um, weather, uh, (laughs) drastic uh, catastrophic weather that strikes Jersey City because everybody can uh, experience uh, catastrophic weather nowadays mm. and cradle decides to at least try to make a move on her and they are rebuffed and uh, but but they are operating with some intelligence in the sense that they have researched Kamala and they do have uh, or they they at least uh, try to make um, moves with certain countermeasures against her powers but uh, they underestimate her current capabilities right. and they also underestimate um, the citizens of Jersey City and their support of Kamala Khan, of, right. of Ms. Marvel, that is. Right. Um, well, a couple of things to note. I, I was, uh, well, one, the whole rain thing, I thought that was kind of symbolic because, like, you, I, oh, I, like you said, I felt it could have been. I, I doubt if it was that could have been coincidental, but, you know, the whole throughout her, um, you know, Kamala and, and Bruno's talk uh, about their personal life, you know, it was like I, that could have been some symbolism there, but. More than likely not. But when the when Cradle came a calling, I was thinking just like with Miles. Cause you remember, I don't know if you remember, but in Miles' book, when they when they met up with him, they set it up. They basically it was a sting operation to get uh to try to find uh maybe it was just him or it was just teens and teen, teen heroes in general, but they were basically looking for folks and they set up a you know, they basically set up a sting operation to, to make it look like somebody got um to was getting robbed. Right. in Miles's case and then that's when they kind of struck because they set it up in this case I was thinking it was going that same route but apparently it wasn't or it, it doesn't seem that way it just so happened that hey you know the rain caused the thing to happen and as uh, Dum Dum said it was like yeah we're monitoring everything which actually on that point one of uh, Dum Dum's agents was like hey you know here's some profiling uh, we could do and we could possibly you know try to find her this way because they were specifically looking for her Miss Marvel, because her being the leader of the champions, you know, um, would seemingly squash the whole thing with, uh, you know, with the resistance. Um, and Dum Dum was like, let me stop you there. We're not going to do that. Uh, I got my means, but we're not going to do that. So that was a whole, that was a thing that was, you know, there was an air out there, uh, already in this, you know, from, from the whole profiling thing, but it was nice to see that address, I guess. And you know, that they didn't go down that road, but regardless, um, uh, there was another point I was going to make out of this, but I don't remember what it is, but yeah. So basically the, the whole thing with, uh, like, like you said, that uh, they had some Intel on, on her and you know, some of it kind of worked out and some of it did because right. she still got away. Right. I just had to, I just had to do a quick Google and, and looking at the Dum Dum's Wikipedia. I'm like, Oh, Dum Dum's still an LMD. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think they were gonna, you know, uh, make that. But I kind of was like, I kind of figured it was like, well, I was like yeah, he's no. been dead and he's been, he's been dead since '66, uh, according to Original Sin. Remember that? Exactly. Oh exactly. So you know, seeing Dum Dum now, and and obviously, I don't think she knows uh, Kamala knows because she knows who who Dum Dum is clearly because she's a you know she's a fangirl on on most of the people of the world. Exactly. So and he's a classic. I was going to say he's a classic Shield agent. Exactly. You know? So she knew who he was, uh, but I don't think she knew about that particular uh, wrinkle about him. And they're not really 
you know, they're actually not even saying anything about it. You know, they're just like, you know, I don't know if now that's even going to come up, but they, they haven't said anything about it. But this is clearly the case that he is still in the unless something happened, which I doubt. Right. So, excuse me. So that is pretty much unless uh, we're missing something. That's pretty much the crux of um, Ms. Marvel. Oh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So now we're going to pivot. It does to- feel like. It does feel like Dum Dum trying to uh, track down Godzilla. Um, if, you, if, if you remember the old uh, late seventies, early eighties Godzilla comic book, uh, vaguely. I don't think I ever read them. Oh, the only one I remember is I think what no one was uh, Red Ronin and, and Godzilla fought. Yeah, that was an uh, that was a later issue. I think. Yeah. So. Yep. And man, that issue. Anyway, you know, I was thinking of Avengers of. Uh, uh, um, a couple of issues of Avengers where Red Ronin shows up. They should bring back Red yep. Ronin. George Perez art too. Yeah. So, but anyway, y'all can go check that out. Anyway, um, we're going to move on to uh, Miles Morales Spider Man number nineteen real quick. This is a potential click of the week for me. Okay. Um, weirdly enough, not weirdly enough, but you know, I don't know. Well, it's definitely it's definitely not what we thought this was going to be right when we initially were confronted with the story of the um, evaluator, the assessor. Right. You know, we did not think that this is where they were going. With that. And that but, I think it credit to, but that's a credit to Saladin Ahmed's story. Right. Where True. we were definitely kind of taken off guard because of that go ahead that's true but uh, i was th- but i'm thinking because yeah they did kind of they the the creative team did was did well to uh separate the fact that the accessory was that. around yeah huh? yeah the accessory was around and then oh here's ultimatum over here but you kind of i felt like there was an air of they were working together even if it wasn't like granted we can say that now because you know all of that kind of you know bears out in this issue but I feel like somewhere, somewhere in the last couple of issues, or in the last few issues, at least before um, the Allah stuff happened, I feel like, especially, I guess that was that issue where um, Ultimatum and Prowler were talking. I feel like some of that might have been alluded to, but maybe not. And this could have very well, like you know, been that line. Nah, we just we just pretty much telling folks right right here and now. And like you said, it is still a, a surprise. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like there's something in there that kind of lends itself lends itself to that, like we could have known. Right. But I was that, about to say part of it's definitely part of it is definitely the uh, pandemic messing up our reading schedule. So true. there are certain things that probably would have played better had we been reading them in real time under a real time release schedule. Like outlawed. What was that? Like outlawed. Exactly, just like outlawed. Hmm. But uh, as Radica was mentioning, the uh, you know uh, what we find is you know there's a couple things going on. One, you know, Miles is uh, Miles has been captured, um, but you know we also find you know we also from the last end of the last issue um, have uh, Miles uh, being defeated by his cl- or at least being defeated by his clone. Right, and we get the we get the kind of big bad behind everything and. This is, as, 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 as Radikat mentioned, we sort of know, but I mean, we sort of suspected that this is where they were going all along. It was just a matter of how all of the dots connected, mm-hmm. and especially with uh, with regards to the assessor. Honestly, I thought that was Mr. Negative just for a hot second. The the assessor? Yeah, the assessor, just for I a hot can... second. Then I remember that Mr. Negative has been um, 
taken out by a Sin Eater. Right. Although, I mean, time and constraints, what, you know, time and being what is it, that could have very well been the case. So, yeah, um, you know, and this would, could have been before that happened or whatever, because who even knows at this point when this is taking place. But, uh, but yeah, so we've come to find out that while Miles and the Prowl, Uncle Aaron the Prowler are both captured, because, you know, that happened um, a, a few episodes, uh, a few issues back, actually, um, are caught, and we get the big monologue by ultimatum and his plans, which still feels kind of small potatoes, as I say in my notes, like it's, it's, I don't know, weird, but, but knowing that knowing who we found out who this is, which I thought was a different person, because here I'm thinking it was, um, so the, let me back up again and get my thoughts together. So, Miles fought his what we thought to be what what um we thought to be his duplicate. And, right. So I was thinking in the self the reveal of that was ended up going to be this this universe's six one six version of Miles Morales. I thought so I thought who that was gonna who somehow got spider powers because you you see the reveal and it looks like Miles, but with a scar. Um so you're assuming it's like, wait, wait, that's not him, but the, the Miles Morales, as we know from Spider-Man, I believe, did not necessarily look exactly like this right. Miles. So, cut to the ultimatum doing his plans and, um, you know, saying what his plans is and giving his big reveal and blah, 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 blah. We, he unmasks um, himself and we come to find out that that... Uh-oh. Um, hold on for a second. Um... Mm-hmm. Let me make sure. What just happened? Um, I don't know. Uh, it just kicked me from the call and did and, it to me too. Yeah, and just cut the cut the call. That was weird. I thought it was an internet issue. Me too. I just went black. Yeah, like it was like it froze and then it was like went blue and kicked itself from the call. So I don't know. Maybe that was a Skype thing. Uh, maybe they just didn't want us to talk about <laughs> Miles Morales. <laughs> Are we live still? Uh, oh, you know what? Dude. Let me. Um, let me. Are we on Twitch? Hold on, let me check. I'm gonna check real quick. Uh, that was weird. That was because weird. I thought it was me. I was like, did my did, did my computer finally bite the dust? No, nope, we're still live. Oh, nice. Hi, everybody. Yeah, well, luckily there's, you know, if if it was like an OBS or something issue, which it wasn't, but um, uh, if it was that, there's it would have restarted itself. Uh, well, we are back. Um, yes. We are talking about Miles. Well, for those, uh, yeah, for the for for those in the live recording, for the for the auto recording, we never left because you know, it is what it is on that one. So yeah, we're still talking about uh, um, Miles Morales. But like I was saying, uh, so we the big reveal was that the Miles Morales of six one six is the ultimatum is ultimatum. Uh, I think we did that already, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. I was under the impression, and maybe um, it might have, but I was under the impression that it was like, because if you see the ultimatum, his ultimatum is basically Hank Pym's uh, uh, Ultimate Universe suit, but with Cap's shield. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was something from Spider-Man, because I never read Spider-Man, either one of them. Ah, uh, maybe that's why. Yeah, so that's why it wasn't familiar to me. I've been actually meaning to go back and read both of those. That makes that makes perfect sense. Because right. I'm like, no, we know who this is. It's really more about 
for me, it was more about how the, this was all connected because the cloning problem, I mean, you know, come on, we can't, I can't help uh, but, but think that if it's a Spidey story and there's cloning, there's a jackal somewhere, right? So I said, so I kind of allude to that in my notes. I was like, it's always clones uh, or doppelgangers with the with doppelgangers with the spider folks. So basically, yeah, the the clone, the 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 Spider Man that Miles was fighting in the last issue, um, ended up was a clone, right. apparently. And I'm assuming it was a clone that was made by the accessor. Like, yeah, we can assume, we can kind of assume that it might have something to do with using the Jackal's process or something. But there's an assumption that the accessor did all of this because they took Miles' DNA uh, to make it. And matter of fact, Miles kind of comes to that realization during the course of this issue um, while, um, what you call this, while Ultimatum is uh, monologuing. So the the accessor took his DNA, made this clone. They fought last issue, but all of the stuff that, that kind of comes together in this issue with, uh, hey, who's behind it and why? Right. I would I, w- I would add a few things. One, um, some of the things that were done as it was uh, done to the uh, ultimate characters uh, revolving around Miles Morales for. Uh, you know, to integrate him into the 616 as a result of Secret Wars yes. is undone here, both for um, the Prowler, a.k.a. Um, Uncle Aaron, and for Miles. And more than likely, it's going to come down, to, it's going to happen to um, his parents as well. Oh, Lee and JD, yeah. Yeah, they're probably going to be forced to reckon with their past lives, or their alternate lives in um, the Ultimate Universe. So that's one of the important things that comes um, up yes. here. And we and find out what Ultimatum, um, what Ultimatum's um, primary goal is. Right. Um, uh, his goal is to eject <laughs> Miles from this reality. But not just Miles, everybody that also, uh, you know, Uncle Aaron, the, his parents, everybody right. that probably Gonky too, I guess at that point, and uh, everybody, I guess, Bombshell, would Bombshell be about it that also? I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah. Anyone, like you said, uh, that's a big umbrella for them. That's a big tent. Right. Um, characters that were uh, integrated into the mainstream 616 from the Ultimate Universe. Right. But so, yeah, so not only did he want to do that, but he also wanted to take over New York. You know, that, that was too. that was a small of it, but his but his other goal was to get rid of Miles, the, the, this other Miles uh, and everything. So on the Spider-Man series, the two Spider-Man series. Sure. More so at the second one, but definitely both of them. Gotcha. Yeah, like I said, I'm gonna have to go back and read both of those. Delve to the uh, identity of the Miles Morales. Right, that part I did know, but like I said, um, I just didn't know that he was Ultimatum all that time, you know, because I didn't read it. Um, And I guess, and this was pretty much Miles' first time meeting up with him, I guess, since then, if that's the case. Or because it made it sound like he never, they never met before. I don't. I don't think they've met like this. I think they might have met in costume. Right. They definitely have met in costume. I think because I think he knew who he was. Right. Like he was like, "Oh, it's you, Ultimatum," but he didn't know who he was underneath the mask. Right. So that being said, um, we get all of that, and there was a couple of good, um, couple of good panels where so um, uh, Miles's parents get attacked by Ultimatum's men, although uh, people, although for some strange reason, I thought that was like some some offshoot of Cradle. 
I'm like, wait, did they find out that Miles was um, Spider-Man oh, no. and it went after his, and his parents? But no, come to find out it was Ultimatum uh, going after him. And uh, they dealt with that and even was like, look, um, we know where you are. We're coming after you. And Rio was pissed. <laughs> so you love to see that, you, you know, so it was like the, the Davis Morales clan was like, yeah, we, yeah. We, we about to come for you. And then that's when um, Prowler does this thing and, you know, they the escape after which you kind of figure was going to happen because like after a, a big you know villain monologue of course there's either a fight and or you know an escape and what's funny is that i wonder if the six uh, if the 616 miles underestimated um his uh, uh his uh father's doppelganger because his father's doppelganger from the ultimate universe or at least the way he was recreated in the 616 is a shield agent exactly so you know, they can't just send anybody after him. So, right. Yeah. Cause yeah, he clearly was like, well, oh, wait, how, how in the world are they even like, no, nah, like <laughs> JD ain't new to this. <laughs> that was, that was the, that was the feeling I had when I, that, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I could definitely see that. Um, there's a, there's a, there's an interlude here with regards to the cradle agents who are locking up, um, uh, uh, classmates, Miles's classmates mm. and Cap bails them out because his congressman, his congresswoman is also the same congresswoman that represents um, the school around where where, uh, where the Brooklyn Visions Academy right. is located. So I kind of got a kick out of that whole interlude and cop uh, and, and, and Captain America sticking his uh, his nose into um, yeah. To, Kind of so surprised by that. And he's going to be he's going to be on the cover. He's on the cover of next issue. So exactly. So yeah, more than likely there's going to be a team up between him and Miles again. Another team up between him and Miles. They've they've teamed up before, but right. So yeah, uh, but yeah, and then this issue, um, we you know, like I said, uh, Prowler and Miles escape, but they run into some issue because uh, they were going to go and look for uh, JD and Rio b- before they ended up coming to where the, the where Ultimatum was. But they run into a bit of trouble, and we'll see how that plays out next issue. Alrighty. Uh, that being said, I guess unless you got another book you want to pull out, uh, no, we can go. it up. We've been at this for a while. Hit it. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I I got a few books, so unless you want to, you want to go ahead and go. Oh, I think we've got some parallels too. A couple, yeah. Oh, you want me to go? Okay. Yeah, cool. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. Black Widow number two, which I believe you did read. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, Clinton Bucky find out where, Matt, where where Ned is, and but they were like, well, we can't just go in there, so we need to find out what's what. So, Clint just kind of offers himself to go and see, go and talk to her and see where she's at and see if there's any signs of her, you know, being undercover or anything like that. And they kind of find out, it's like, no, this is like, no, this is pretty much her life now, and she's she seems happy, and they don't really know what to do, but they're just like kind of letting it, letting it be his thing. Um, and it's also worth noting that everyone in in Nat's new life is named after people in her old life. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, but also, uh, we get to find out that Arcade is well. We knew Arcade was working for some folks, but he's also not liking his job because it's not the usual way that he's used to doing things. Uh, he's right. he's pretty- just. He's usually just trying to kill the people that are in his traps. Exactly. Right? But while recording it all the while or something like that, it's basically like almost like the, you know, this world's version of Mojo, something like that. But regardless, so uh, they pretty much um, um, 
are at this point. Um, what's the movie I'm looking for? It's just one or two movies uh, that I'm even looking for. Um, see that one Jim Carrey movie or this that uh, um, where the he's Truman being, Show. Yeah, Truman Show. It's kind of a Truman Show situation with Nat, except for you know she's got amnesia or whatever the case is going on, and she doesn't know anything about her whole old life, but she still has her her old skills. And at the end of this issue, she finds herself, um, you know, making. Uh, making a device that she wouldn't know, she doesn't seem to know that she knows how to make. But also, we get a glimpse of somebody that's probably going to show up in a movie. You know, if that person is who I think it is, yep, uh, yeah, uh, it's someone that's going to show up that is also part of uh, Nat's past that gets. Uh, I kind of got the yeah. Uh, just as a quick aside, I got that idea when they were showing the silhouettes, mm-hmm. and I a character silhouette. I was like, oh, there, there he is. I know who yeah. he is. So someone so from some from, from Nat's past who is also probably going to show who is also showing up in the movie definitely um was cameoed in this issue. So we'll see what what comes of that next issue. Uh Swordmaster number eleven. Did you read that? Nope. Okay. So we basically found out that um well at the end of the last issue, um um Lin Lai and uh Shang Shuang, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Shang Shang. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not reading the book, so. Yeah, so regardless, uh, we go to her clans that go to see the head of her clans, which happens to be her grandmother. But also, this uh, this uh, the, the head of the clan is very powerful because the place that they went to was getting attacked, and this person just cleaned house last issue. Uh, but now this issue is pretty much uh, the clan leader, uh, the grandmother, telling Lin, Li, uh, Lin, Lin Lai, that hey, our three clans were supposed to, you know, um, guard. We have these, you know, items of power, and we're supposed to test with guarding the body of this, uh, the, 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 I guess, the Chinese god of war, uh, which was separated in three parts. And she pretty much takes this episode and says, you know, oh, this issue, and pretty much lays that out for him, and that he was also lied to because his original. His original mission was to try to find his dad who brought, who gave him, who sent him the sword and this orb that he's been holding up. But come to find out that that was a ruse by uh, Chen Yu, who is the, the, the said god of war, uh, to get the sword and to get the rest of his body back. Because uh, uh, Lin's group, or Lin's ancestor was charged with guarding the head, but now that you know that's not the case. That the, the head is looking for the rest of the body, which is being uh, guarded by these other uh, other two groups. So that's pretty much the, what happens in that it, that uh, issue. The Rise of Ultraman number two. Are you reading that? Nope. As a matter of fact, you let me know. You just let me know when when there's something else. I kind of I figure I can look, nope. but I'm also doing some typing. But um, so at the end of last issue. Shin and after a misunderstanding, Shin and the Ultraman uh, alien uh, end up going into a bond together, but it doesn't quite work out or it doesn't quite go as planned because the Ultraman uh, alien was hurt because one from being shot by Shin and, you know, past actions. But this issue is pretty much them trying to come to an understanding and 
also uh, the Kiki and the captain trying to figure out what's going on because in the outside world, you know, um, uh, Shan has been pretty much in stasis for like a damn near a day. So they're trying to figure out what's going on and what's going on with USP and why all the secrecy and they get into a little issue of, of trouble that, that, um, that uh, causes an issue for one of them at the end of this issue. Ah, and here's comes the fun block. Uh, Transformers back to the future. Number one. Yes, folks. Another one of these. Uh, <laughs> great Scott, another crossover, another figure to consider. Uh, the Decepticons are somehow in Hill Valley trying to figure out a way to beat the, the Autobots. Uh, they, of course, come across um, Marty's first trip in the DeLorean, you know, in the mall and the, the um, was it the Iranians or whatever, whoever it was. I think uh, so. Yeah, of course, that wouldn't probably play now, right now. Uh, but, you know, they don't necessarily mention them by name. They just say the terrorists, mm-hmm. uh, which they did back then. No, I think Libyans. The Libyans. There we go. Yes, yes, yes. I think they were Libyans, yeah. Yeah, that sounds sounds right. But regardless, that wouldn't necessarily play right now. So um, so they neglected in, in, you know, saying that part. But regardless, um, so yeah, the, the it was like um, Rumble and Ravage were pretty much staking out Hill Valley for some reason. They come across the the Marty's first trip in Delirium, so now and they report it back to Megatron. So now, of course, the the Decepticons want the Delorean. Uh But what ends up finds out, and you can kind of pretty much guess, a Back to the Future thing happens. Uh, there was a Van Halen reference, which weirdly enough, so uh, Rip Eddie. Um, um, but we come to find out there's a time frame because the time difference, because it looks like it goes through Marty's first trip. And then when doc comes back, because they do allude to, you know, the whole thing, the whole scene where, you know, he has a bulletproof vest and that kind of stuff. So there's that. So it's still that night after the, the DeLorean comes back, but Hill Valley's changed. It's under Decepticon control and Marty being Marley, Marty, it's like, nope, this is not right. So we got to do something about this. He does his, uh, he does a Captain America impression, weirdly uh, enough. Uh, and of course, at the end of this book, we see the titular uh, Transformers DeLorean character that um, I think I have a pre-order in for. I'm almost certain I do at this point. Uh, that that pretty much comes back to Marty and says, "Hey, great Scott, I need your help. You got to, you got to change the future, Marty. We got to go back to the future, something like that." Of course. Because apparently there was a change back in 1955 that caused this, so that's that's fun. Um, I believe this is four issues, and you know I will be checking in on all four of them or four or five of them. My Little Pony Transformers number three. This is still a thing, folks. Um, so this is a couple of as, as per the thing, and this is this uh, this thing. Transformers has invaded yet another universe and it is the universe of My Little Pony. So this is two um two stories uh with that. So yep, still a thing. Uh Soundwave and the tapes interrupt Fluttershy and Discord's tea party and learn the power of friendship. Um we also find out Cybertronians can smell apparently. Meanwhile, Windblade meets Rainbow Dash and they do a Superman Flash thing, meaning they have a race and some uh-huh. Decepticons um kind of interrupt that and they have to deal with that and they do so it's it's cute it's weird but cute um 
And as I go to, I'm also typing as I'm doing this, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Too Long a Sacrifice, number three. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, This is pretty much like, this is pretty much an episode of DS9. Uh, In fact, it's familiarly familiarly so because, so uh, Otto's investigation, a string of murders that's going on on the base. Meanwhile, there's a big conference or something. And of course, the war is going on. So, you know, there's a lot of tensions around uh, DS9 because of things that are going on. Uh, In this particular issue, he has to work with uh, a Beta Z uh, Starfleet investigator they don't necessarily get off on the right foot, but it's not as bad as what we have actually seen in the show because this uh, Beta Z, you know, we see a flashback to uh, the 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 Jemadar pretty much taking over Beta Z. Looks like, uh, which I don't remember ever was shown or said or thought about in the actual show. I don't know, but. Uh, but and it was a past memory, so somehow he got away from there before things actually jumped off. Uh, so there's some contention with him, and he knows who Odo is at this point. Who is a member? Who you know? Whose race is a member? Who's the ones who are guiding the Jim Hardar? So this is pretty much around that time frame. Uh, so there's a little bit of contention there, but uh, they go along and try to. Um, try to solve all the murders that's been happening so far because, like I said, Starfleet kind of wanted a little, 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 little bit more pep in the investigation that's been going on. You know, they kind of butt heads a little bit, but they, they kind of get to a point. And this is the issue where at least they get a lead from Garrick that uh, puts them on the track to kind of solving what's going on. And it has something to do with occupation and some war profiteering as since things tend to happen in Deep Space Nine. So yeah, it is pretty much uh, like an episode. I've been enjoying it so far. Um, and if you're a fan of the, uh, Deep Space Nine, you, you might enjoy it. Like there's nothing really outstanding about it, but it's pretty much just, it just seems like an episode of the show in comic book form. There's nothing wrong with that. Star Wars number seven. Uh, Leah sets a trap for the Empire by springing one of theirs. Uh, it appears there is more to Commander Zohara's dogged pursuit of Leia than her previous than previously known. Um, could this be her white well? Who knows? Uh, a little more on Zohara's past under Tarkin is shown, and it seems like probe drawers and boy, could I not type or anything this morning? What is even going on? Um, uh, probe drawers are more capable than we know. Uh, apparently Tarkin ship has a cloaking device, which has never been seen in Star Wars. And uh, we see where Zahara was, because it pretty much flashes, sticks to the past for a minute. We see where Zahara was when the Death Star blew up. And, you know, Tarkin being her mentor mentor, and was on the Death Star at the time, you can kind of see where she's now has some beef with the Rebellion. Some added beef with the Rebellion. Rebellion. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about that. And I think that is actually, uh, it for me. All right. All right. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I didn't get to read far sector number eight, but, um, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll do something about that this weekend. Oh, number eight. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think they made it into an ongoing. So that was cool. Cause it was originally a, a mini. But... Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, We've covered the vast majority of the books that I read this week. 
Um, Batman number 100 came out this week. That is the end of the Joker War. It's actually a pretty fun read. Lots of, uh, you know, lots of uh, kind of classic Batman action. We get, um, you know, we get some uh, Batgirl retaking the mantle of Oracle in this issue. Um, you know, uh, uh, basically coordinating the fight. Um, there is a weird development when it comes to the new character punchline, but I think it's all part of a long game um, that Tinian is trying to orchestrate with the character. Um, and I believe um, the character is getting a new ongoing, or at least a new limited series. Um, yes. We're getting, we're getting um, some more development of Harley Quinn's character as uh, uh, an anti-hero because, um, you know, she is definitely broken off from uh, the Joker. And this is obviously a development that is coming on the heels of the character's development in the DC Extended Universe movies. And animated series of them. So. I must say, kind of thank goodness, but also, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, so, you know, if you are looking for, you know, it, it actually reads kind of like a, a, a classic Batman story because it, it does end kind of the way a classic Batman Joker story does too, because it's a never ending thing, despite the fact that um, Harley is definitely on the side of trying to end it all in one fell swoop. So um, there is that, and there are backup stories here that tie that don't tie up loose ends, but definitely string things along for future storylines, much like they did in uh, Amazing Spider-Man forty-nine slash eight hundred and fifty. Uh, next up is uh, Thor number eight. Uh, we uh, directly follow up on the events of last issue with Tony Stark and and, and Thor and. Thor putting out Tony Stark's phone number that you can that you can still call, I think. Um, that you know that we hear um, uh, in the real world, aka you know what passes for the real world right now. Um, you know we can call Tony Stark's number and, and hear a voice that complains about Thor giving out his number. Uh, but uh, you know we get we get a little bit of a resolution on that. Also, we get some more information on some of the things that are developing with Mjolnir. And people all of a sudden being able to pick it up and some of the ramifications that will come of that. The next story that's teased has something to do with Donald Blake, Thor's old um, uh, secret identity. So what's that? No, go ahead. All right. So that's that's essentially what is coming up for next issue. And that's it for me. Those are the two. Those are the last two books I had on my list. Um, I saw the, some flavor text on, on um, I can't remember what they call that, but um, on, on Comicsology, and there, there was basically like an Oprah reference about this issue of Thor. You get a Mjolnir, you get a Mjolnir, and you get a Mjolnir. So I don't know what that right. Was. That doesn't exactly right. That doesn't that yeah. doesn't uh, that doesn't happen. But at the same time, that's the tease. Right. So I, I thought that was kind of funny, but yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, I, I, I will probably end up catching up on Thor. Um, so that being the case, oh, also I just want to mention real quick before we go into the thing that um, you mentioned something about things not being normal. There was a reference in, I believe it was this week's uh, Miss Marvel about there being the new normal for her in that world. And boy, does that not uh, mirror what she pretty much said that mirrored uh, what's actually going on in the real world. Especially about the new normal. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, cl- uh, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. I just adjusted Tim's clicks of 
clip of the week because I think you had it backwards. Oh, did I have Widow Black or something? Yeah, you have Black Widow number one. Uh, number two. Oh, wait, I thought that's what he said. No, read it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Like, no, okay. 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 <laughs> no right. problem. I did have no that problem. backwards. Okay. Well, we, since, since, since we were literally talking about it, we can say that Tim Dog 98's click of the week for this week is champions number one. So right. uh, he also mentions that Black Widow 2 is a runner-up. Right. He said he didn't finish it, but it wasn't good. But yeah, both of those are pretty decent fit picks. And I, I kind of, I guess I could to figure because knowing, knowing Tim, I'm not saying I know him like like that, like that. But we kind of know some of his, his some of his tastes in books. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised by Champions being that one. You know, shout out to Evil Ewing. Uh, it, it, it was a decent read. Uh, and for mm-hmm. Dirt, this is actually not a surprise, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling this one on this one to a point. Well, to a point, anyway. Uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. A uh, too long a sacrifice. Number three is Dirt's pick, and I believe he says that uh, again. It's not going, not trying to go over the top or reinvent the wheel. What it's trying to do is capture the feel of a classic DS Nine episode, and it's doing that. Uh, really enjoying it, and he plans to read them all when the last issue comes out. And yeah, it definitely does evoke. Uh, I think I even also said something similar in my notes that yeah, it kind of does kind of evoke. In fact, I actually said it kind of evokes uh, the feel of an episode. In fact, a little too familiarly in one beat because like some of some of the things, something that I mentioned kind of actually happened in uh, a Deep Space Nine episode, but it kind of went in different ways. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went that way if this uh, if this book ended up going that way. And I won't spoil it, but. Um, I, I feel like there's, you know, there is something about, especially this issue and the meeting of two characters, and like, yeah, that's kind of seems like that's something that might end up being a thing that we haven't seen so far. But there we go. Um, do you have yours? Yeah, I have. I can tell you what I'm considering. I can say that uh, Batman number one hundred, believe it or not, is actually a fun read. Mm-hmm. Um, because is even despite the fact that you know, there's obviously no finality when it comes to Batman versus Joker, the teased finality is fun, and um, you know it's just a, a big, you know it's a big uh, event where all the Bat family gets together, and that's kind of cool. Um, Amazing Spider-Man is also pretty good, uh, despite the fact that Ryan Otley just you know kind of ruins the uh, the visuals for me every time I see his art. Um, I know Patrick uh, Patrick Gleason is on the next issue, uh, so we'll see how that turns out. You know, if, uh, if that uh, you know gets me a little bit more positive about the art on the book, um, I can tell you that I did like Champions Number One because I did read it for the first time this week. Mm. Um, so it was a little, you know, it was uh, fun. I can also say that Marauders Number Thirteen is a great strong. Um, candidate because Same. of what Storm does, yeah. and I will also say that um, uh, believe it or actually, it's hard to say that Wolverine and X Force aren't one Wolverine book, like you were saying, or like you were kind of alluding to earlier. Mm-hmm. Reading them together actually is better than reading them, you know, with, uh, like taking a break between them because they really do read much like one issue. Right. Um, I think though that I will probably lean towards, despite 
a lot of the, the socially conscious stuff that was in uh, Miles and was Marvel and Champions, um, I'm probably going to go with Marauders because I thought it had the best character development of the week when it comes to uh, Storm. And um, like I said, you know, when, when when it gets down to it, I'm just like, all right, so we're going from animated costume to a comic costume because it's about to get real. Mm. So I'm going to go with number 13. Okay, cool. That's a pretty damn good pick. I'm not not mad at you for it. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's kind of one of my considerations also. Um, but also like the affirmation, Miles Morales, uh, because, you know, especially at near the end where, uh, you know, you see uh, Miles and, and Uncle Aaron and you see, um, uh, you know, JD and Rio's kind of like, now nah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna come past your ass. But um, also, I guess, should be or might not be a surprise, uh, Transformers Back to the Future number one is kind of a pick. Um, and I, you know what? Because hmm. it was just fun. I mean, I mean those cra- these crossovers are kind of silly at this point and borderline stupid, but they're still fun. So I think I'm actually going to go along with that, actually, for my pick. Transformers Back to the Future number one. It was it was. It was fun. I enjoyed it, and of course the the um you know all of the the references that one would make dealing with a Back to the Future story was made in the course of this uh um issue, and I totally forgot about mentioning one part between someone gets the Hello McFly, but it's not who you think it is, and it's kind of done into a way which is kind of funny. So there we go, and now. Uh, that that's out of the way. We're going to an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c wink wines through cspn do it today now we get into the news and first up as we do every week is the cinematic news uh warner brothers boards feature adaptation of black oh wait of black comic from studio eight yes so um, if you remember, I know we've talked about it before, but anyway, uh, Studio 8 announced this morning that Warner Brothers has acquired Black, the future adaptation of the Black Mask comic uh, series from co-creator Kwanzaa uh, Osadiofor, I'm sorry, my apologies, uh, and Tim Smith III, or Tim Smith III. The comic set, uh, is set out to explore a universe where only black people have superpowers beyond what the world believes is possible. Uh, apparently, uh, former guest of the show, Brian Edward Hill, uh, wrote the script uh, for a said treatment. Uh, 
Uh, the story centers around one young man who survives a violent event and realizes that he's a part of these extraordinary people, but a secret consortium wants to control these abilities and those who possess them. And he soon finds himself at the center of a war over the future of mankind itself. Uh, if you do remember, Black was a uh, Kickstarter, is was largely, click, uh, well, was a Kickstarter pretty much, including the... Um, the sequels that came after it. Now that I think we're, we're all kickstarted. Uh, I, and I believe Tim, I don't know if anybody else, but I know both me and Tim may have gotten in on both of those or, or, or at least the, the initial one, if not, you know, um, both of them or all of them. Cause there's been a couple of them, but congrats to that crew. Next up. All right. Next up, uh, WB shuffles the Batman, Flash, Shazam 2, and Black Adam release dates. Warner Brothers has made significant changes to the upcoming release dates for those movies. The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, is moving from October 1st, 2021 to March 4th, 2022. Ezra Miller's The Flash moves from June 3rd, 2022 to November 4th, 2022, which was previously Shazam Fury of the Gods' date. The Zachary Levi sequel will now arrive on June 2nd, 2023. Finally, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's, I'm still calling him The Rock, Black Adam goes from debuting on December 22nd, 2021 to not having a date at all. Let us all hope we make it to the release dates of these movies. I was about to say, you're not the only one who's, who's, you know, no one, I don't think anybody stopped calling him The Rock to be at this point, to to be honest. I still haven't watched Shazam, have you? I think you said you had, right? I have. Yeah. I have. It's bad. It's actually there's actually lots of fun stuff. It does like the the way they write him is you know the the way they write him accurately portrays the character, and that's what has always annoyed me about the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that he's a so, little kid in a grown man's body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And 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 the, the the reason the reason why a lot of people like it is because it's fairly accurately portrayed. And that's one of the reasons why I just, I, I don't jive with it. But at the, at the, at the end of the day, I think it's still well done. It's a crying shame that it's taken this long to put together a sequel. Well, I mean, you know, COVID happened. So that's, oh, that's- you know, but, um, oh yeah. But I think the other reason why I mentioned that is because I believe uh, I saw an article out there that there is a, a deleted scene that pretty much also goes to set up black Adam in a way from what I hear, but I don't know. So anyway, um, the Suicide Squad teaser footage may spoil Nathan Fillion's true character. So apparently in that footage that, that came out uh, during DC fandom in August, um, it, it seems that there is visual, might have been visual confirmation that uh, Nathan Fillion, whose character has only been known as Floyd Delkin TDK up to this point, is playing someone who can remove their limbs at will. So if you know anything about DC's stupid canon, I mean, stupid, stupid uh, roster of characters, you will have no doubt recognized this person as... Um, or this, what I just said, as arm fall off boy. Who? Yes. Um, <laughs> who? Good gracious, man. So, yeah, you can look that up, arm fall off boy, for yourself. DC's got some very I am characters. not going to try to dive into who's who. But, you know. yeah, but regardless, they're thinking that uh, that TDK may have, may be uh, a stand in for 
a stand-in for the fallout for fallout boy and the tdk could be standing for the detachable kid because they never did say what tdk stood for uh do that they just said tdk during that whole thing i do remember that part uh and then it goes on to say that um Philene has previously commented on the possibility that he's playing in our uh, in our incarnation of Arm Fall Off Boy, saying that quote, there was never a comic that was never a comic I really dived into, so I really didn't know who that was uh that they were talking about. It certainly wasn't the name I was reading in the script. You should take take that as a particular point. Uh so I so I just said, yeah. Go for it. Whatever you guys think is great. Um, and I think the article writer noted that, yeah, that statement he just said means that that could have been what was put in the script. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's not, that that couldn't be not who he's playing, you know. Okay. Because that wasn't the name he read in the script, you know, could suggest that, that they could have changed something. But regardless, we'll see if that stupidity plays out uh, whenever that happens. Next up. Next up, Swamp Thing infects the Flash Legends cast in waterlogged promos. The Flash and DC's Legends of Tomorrow welcome the newcomer to the CW-verse, Swamp Thing, which moves to the CW from the DC Universe streaming app uh, this past Tuesday with a 90-minute premiere episode. Did you watch it? I did not, no. Both promos on Twitter were captioned, There's something in the water. Animation of vines cover the images of the Flash cast and Legends cast, along with the headline of Beware of the Bible. I have not watched this, but we have heard uh, positive things about the show. Mm. Yeah, I do recall people saying you know, that they wish that that first that season had lived. Well, it lived past that first season, then it was good on DC Universe. And it's, it is pretty much still that, so it's not changing anything. They didn't change anything. Um, weirdly enough, I kind of want to go and watch the old Swamp Thing movie. Which has nothing to do with, I mean, obviously the same character, but has nothing to do with this because it was done in the 80s and therefore totally different. But, and I don't think that's on, I should check. I don't think, because they said the DCU is on, um, on Disney Plus, on, excuse me, on HBO Max, but I don't think they like went further with the older movies, uh, like Swamp Thing, because that's a thing. Anywho. Uh, Batwoman Riverdale resume production following COVID testing delay. Uh, after being paused last week, or well, yeah, this was, after being paused last week as a result of delays in uh, COVID nineteen testing in the Canadian province of British Columbia, production is set to continue on the CW's Batwoman season two and Riverdale season five. Uh, per deadline, Batman, Batwoman and Riverdale both won the Brothers Television Productions that film in Vancouver, British Columbia, and air on the CW have been cleared to resume production. T- uh, I guess today, because uh, this is from uh, an article from, from yesterday. Um, after receiving their respective cast and crews delayed COVID-19 test results, uh, and another show who also films out of there was also given the go-ahead. So, cool. Next. All right, next up, it seems like Curran Walters, who plays Jason Todd slash Robin on DC Universe's Titans, has already had a look at the upcoming Red Hood costume for season three, and couldn't help but share his excitement. Quote, guys, Red Hood looks so good. Walter shared on Twitter, to which many fans commented with gifts and images featuring the iconic DC... Not iconic! <laughs> Walters failed to share any images of the actual costume, duh, and no official Red Hood images have been released as of yet. 
There are because, people who like, like I was about to say, unlike Marvel, you know, Marvel would have shot him already. Yeah, yeah. There are people who like Jason Todd for some reason. So go, go, you know, go figure. I I, I kind of groaned at that too. I'm like iconic, really. I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. Next up, um, cars, Batwheels, stars. I'm sorry, I gotta put this together. Car style animated series stars the Batmobile and gives it its name. And as I just said, it's called Bad Wheels. But um, Batman's iconic mode of transportation. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I'm finding, I'm looking for the right sound effect here because honestly, um, that works. Batman's iconic mode of transportation. The Batman Bill will headline a new car style Cartoon Network slash HBO Max, Max uh, animated series called, excuse me, titled uh, Batwheels. Uh, Warner Brothers Animation dubbed Batwheels as a pre- quote unquote, a preschool animated action adventure comedy series starring the most heroic, heroic and iconic vehicles from the DC universe. The announcement also gives the Batmobile an official name Bam. Uh, Bat Wheels. Yeah. Bat Wheels will star Bam alongside Bibby, the Batgirl cycle, Red, the Redbird. Oh, I can't. Jet. Hold on. Jet, the Batwing, and Buff, the Bat Truck. <laughs> the full press release for Batwings can be found below, below in the article so you feel inclined to read such a thing. <laughs> so yeah, oh, that's a okay. thing. That is a thing. You gotta love it. Alright, next up. Um, Ryan Coogler, his wife Zinzi Evans, and Sev Ohanian have come aboard the adaptation of comic book series Bitterroot at Legendary Pictures. We already knew that um, Cooler was uh, going to be involved as of last year's pretty much um, they will lead the development of a big screen feature version of the comic book series by David F. Walker, Sanford Green and Chuck Brown um, we are fans of the series and we are happy that this is still moving forward absolutely absolutely And I was thinking about. I was about to say, this is the first. I was going to say just very quickly. Um, I wish I was at New York Comic Con right now. It would be happening this weekend. This would be the, the first day, the Thursday of the con, and um, I, you know, a lot of you know, I I'm in contact with a lot of the people I would normally see anyway at the con. But there's always people that you're not personally you know uh, connected to you know like on social media or whatever. And, you know, you kind of wait to see them at the cons. Like, you know, I would I would have seen Sanford Green for like the fourth or fifth time in a row, you know, and just and, and just said what's up to him, because obviously he's a previous guest of the show. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's super fun to, to catch up with them every time I see him at the, at the con. Yeah, I so, know. And shame that uh, you know, we'll have a chance to do it this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sanford Green would also would have also been at um, Heroes Con, which I would have probably would have hollered at him had that went off. <laughs> this year also right so uh but next up and zinzi evans is ryan Cooper's wife i can't remember what else she, she does though but um uh but yeah 
Anywho, uh, let's see. Matrix 4 moved up to Christmas 2021. Minecraft removed from the calendar. Um, Warner Brothers has once again shifted many of its films release dates, as we have you know, kind of mentioned a couple of them, I believe some of, a couple of them were in that slate. Um, well, all of them, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, shifted uh, films release dates in light of COVID-19, the pandemic impact on production schedules and theater attendance. According to the deadline, The Matrix 4 will move from April 1st, which that's a weird date, to 2022 to December 22nd, it's my mom's birthday. Hey, 2021. Uh, this will put it against Illumination Universal's Sing 2, Sony's The Nightingale and Paramount's Babylon over the Christmas weekend. So they're basically moving it up. Uh, and the Minecraft movie uh, has been removed from the calendar entirely, losing its March 4th, 2022 date. Second date. Yeah. And it goes on to talk about the the ones that we had already talked about uh, previously. So, yeah. Psh, weird. Next. Next up, a television series and feature special based on Lumberjanes, the Eisner Award-winning Boom Studios comic book series created by Shannon Walters, Grace Ellis, Brooklyn A. Allen, and Noel Stevenson is evidently coming to the HBO Max streaming platform. The news comes courtesy of the Children's Media Association, which released the information for its upcoming live stream event, Radical Queer Joy, the making of LGBTQ plus children's media. Um, Stevenson, known for her work on Netflix's She-Ra and the, Afri- and the Princess of Power, Princesses of Power, is slated to be one of the panelists with her background information text explaining that she recently sold an adaptation of Lumberjanes to HBO Max. According to the CMA, Stevenson will write, direct, and executive produce a feature special based on the comic which will then be followed up by a series. Listen, I know Lumberjanes is pretty popular, so that's yes. good. That's good for them. Yeah, and the, I guess the this news was met with, um, you know, obviously cheers from from fans of the thing, and you know, you know, not many people mentioning the recent issues that uh, you know they had because of uh, Shira and some language or whatever that got out from that. Anyway, I guess good on them for that. Uh, Amazon's expanse to share first look uh, at season five. And this is news from New York comic con. Um, I will point out here that, Hey, if you haven't seen the uh, advance and you're a fan of sci-fi, you should, it's really good. Uh, and obviously some of you probably already know about the books that this, this streams from not comic, but just novels that this, this, uh, comes off of regardless with new york comic-con going virtual this year amazon prime video will give fans the first look at the fifth season of the expanse on nycc's official youtube channel uh fans can tune in today as of this uh as of this recording thursday uh, october 8th as dominique tipper hosts the expanse panel featuring the cast and creators of the amazon series i will probably be going to check out that said panel Maybe after this show. Uh, the full first release for the Expanse panel at New York Comic Con can be found below in this article. But again, if you're uh, listening to this show after the fact or watching as we're recording, then you will probably have seen this or will be checking this out if you're a fan. Next up. Yeah, shout out to AtMattWang97 who just tweeted me that uh, you know he's pretty bummed that we're not going to have a chance to hang out at New York Comic Con this year. 
you know, obviously with our busy lives, it's hard to uh, to hang out uh, just on the regular, but it was always something to look forward to. Like we'd always try to meet up around New York Comic Con, you know, coordinate something, you know, like we see we're on the floor at the same time. So uh, just to see what's up and see what we what kind of swag or, or, or those signatures we had scored. Matt was always good at uh, getting some cool stuff. So yes, he has, uh, he has, he has hooked us up on many occasions, and oh, you yes. know, so yes. So shout out to all right of the show Matt Wang. Shout out to at Matt Wang ninety seven. Uh, of course, I get the Doctor Who news. <laughs> Doctor Who faces <laughs> animated special announces premiere date. BBC America has announced that the first three episodes of Doctor Who, The Faceless Ones, an animated special featuring the missing eighth serial series? or oh, eighth serial. Yeah. Of season four from 1967 will premiere Wednesday, October 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by the last three episodes on Thursday, October 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Patrick Trufton stars as... The doctor in this lost audio footage. Okay. I believe it's Troughton. I can't. I can't remember. But regardless, it doesn't matter. Um, so yes, it, as as Agent Seventy says, that stuff is already out there now because it's it's um, it is the eighth. Yeah, it premiered this week. Mm-hmm. So it looks like yeah, all of it is out there right now. Um, and you can go check it out if you're a Whovian or just you know like some good stuff. Um, it's not the first time they've done that. Also, there's been other, uh, uh, episodes of lost shows that they've done because they had some of the footage and, or some of the, they had the audio from it, but didn't have all the, you know, it wasn't made. So, um, notably Douglas Adams, Shara, uh, who Douglas Adams used to write for the show, apparently, uh, which is strange, but makes a whole lot of sense. Anyway, uh, Hulu to advertise comics at the end of Modoc episodes for Marvel Comics. So Marvel has worked out a deal with Hulu for the upcoming Modoc Head Games comic book series to be promoted at the end of every episode of the stop motion animation uh, Modoc series currently in development. There is a graphic plan to be featured that is in this article. If you're watching the video, you can see it now. That will be featured at the end of each episode. And it's the standard, hey, if you like the show, read the graphic novel from showrunners Pat Oswald and Jordan Bloom. Uh, Modoc Head Games, available where comics and graphic novels are a show. So, you know, trying to get a little bit of synergy on there. Uh, the article goes on to say that, yeah, this happens, but it doesn't happen that often, which is true. And I think there have been right. cases in the past where people were like, you know, this should happen more where, you know, if you're watching a movie, th- you know, watching a mcu or dc movie in the in the theater and or one of the shows and be like hey if you like this then you know and um go check out the comic books which i like i said we have seen a little bit of just not a whole whole lot of all right less synergy than there should be That's exactly you know a lot of the times believe it or not a lot of times what i see is um at least my own from anecdotal and personal experience certain comic book stores will partner with theaters mm-hmm. when there's a big uh, comic book movie release and um, hold, uh, you know, have like a table full of merchandise, right. you know, that's related to the movie to sell. And, you know, obviously the business cards with addresses so that they can you know have people become repeat customers, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's that um, time, but that's not official. It's, it's nice to get an official um, plug um, as part of the, uh, the multimedia 
that's being produced off of this uh, off of comic book intellectual property. And I just love the fact that it's Patton Oswalt who's doing Modoc. It's just right. I it mean, just, yeah, this just makes too, yeah, way too way too much sense, right? Just right, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, next up. Is, well, well, before uh, you go, before you go, I was going to mention that, um, yeah, just like what you just said, the movies is like here. I know there was a there's this guy that. Um, that's usually every time I would see him pretty much every time there's a movie premiere, like for, for a comic book movie and from his shop and they'd be doing like uh, giveaways and, you know, it was like, Hey, trivia and you win this comic book or you win this poster or something like that. And sometimes he'll have some stuff in the back, but mostly it's like trivia right before the movie starts and you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it is cool to kind of see that stuff, but this is, and now that they're doing like trailers for certain books, like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised, or they should literally start doing like, hey, these trailers they're already doing, they're putting on YouTube. They should just put them in front of, or you know, preferably probably in front of, because I don't know, you know, yes, some people are sticking around, or somebody, some people have been sticking around the movies to see the end credits. But well, another train for Marvel movies, that's exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Right. That's that's possibly something they could put in right before the end trailer. You know the uh, you know before the, the end credit trailer. You know, I kind of wonder well, if that. I mean, that's sure. possible, but I would. But I wonder if that's the thing that yeah, that would probably have to be baked in the movie if they're going to do it that right. way. So right, yeah. I mean, it would be funny if they did that. You know, however they did it, you exactly. know, more synergy, more coordination. Exactly. That's what we're. All right. Uh, next up, next up oh. uh, the Witcher's oh, first look. No, I was, at... I'll say I got this one. Oh okay. Oh yeah yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Blue. I had Doctor Who. <laughs> Witcher first look at Anya uh, Kalatra or Chalatra as Yennefer <clears> in season two. Netflix has revealed the first official look at Anya Chalatra as Yennefer in the Witcher season two. The two new photos were shared to the Witcher's official Twitter account on Wednesday in a tweet that teases Yen's return in the upcoming season. The verse accompanying the first look image reads, she used her full might and the battlefield burned. Then she vanished from sight, but Yen will return. Oh, who wrote that? Those are just bars. bars. They're, they're spitting. <laughs> anyway, next up. Um, yeah, so I haven't finished watching. I should go back and watch, what, finish watching that. It, was, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Uh, Invincibles, the Walking the Walking Dead creators' uh, superhero show drops first trailer. So this is the news that came out today. Um, from New York Comic Con, Amazon Prime Video has released the first teaser trailer for Invincible during its panel at New York Comic Con. Invincible is based off of uh, the Skybound Image comic series from The Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley. Uh, the short teaser introduced viewers to Mike Grayson, Stephen Yoon, and Omni Man J.K. Simmons. Uh, Mark is the son of the most powerful superhero Omni Man. You know what? J.K. Simmons for I'm the Man. What little I know of Invincible sounds right also. Anyway, after seeing Mark get accustomed to his powerful abilities, things pick up. You uh, mean he's an insurance spokesperson? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can just, uh, if you've seen the comic, if you've seen, yeah, if you've yeah, like if you've seen the comic and you've seen his dad, how, how his bad dad looks, yeah, like, yeah, I can see J.K. Simmons is the voice. Um, but anyway, after Mark gets accustomed to his powerful abilities, things pick up from the same violence and bloody action familiar to fans of the Invincible comic series. And you can check out the teaser trailer out there. I hadn't watched it, so I don't know, because like, I didn't see this before the show. But um, yeah, did you did you watch this or interest? No, 
I haven't yet. I'm, yeah. I'm somewhat interested, but I've never read the book other than the Marvel team up issue where he crossed over into the Marvel universe. Right. That Kirkland wrote. Yeah. Um, I think I've read. You said, a, you said Kirkland. He's like the Costco brand. I know, um, right? <laughs> I know. I, well, I, well, I did, if I said Kirkman, Kirkland, I didn't mean that. But um, if Costco just, wanted, wants to uh, sponsor the show, I don't know how what kind of synergy that would bring up. But sure, bring, hey, right. holla at us. Uh, but Kirkman, yeah, wrote that issue. Uh, and I think I did read a couple of Invincible e- issues for some odd reason. But yeah, it is what it is. Next up. And next up, Benedict Cumberbatch is joining Spider-Man 3 as Doctor Strange. This news dropped today mm-hmm. out of New York Comic Con. The move puts Cumberbatch into the mentor role that was previously occupied by Robert Downey Jr., who played Tony Stark in Iron Man in Spider-Man Homecoming, and by Sam Jackson in Spider-Man Far From Home, the latter reprising Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. The role uh, gives Holland a chance to play opposite seasoned actors, gives Peter Parker a father figure, and gives the movies extra star power while also tying them more closely to the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. The, this Spider-Man project already has some unexpected ties going for it, as it is bringing back Jamie Foxx's Electro, the actor-character combo last seen in 2014's The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which featured Andrew Garfield as the web-slinging hero. And this, uh, I believe, lends even more credit to the rumors that this is going to be almost directly tied into uh, Multiverse of Madness, mm. where... Going to, we're going to see a lot of that multiverse stuff start to come forth, uh, and possibly we might see actual live action Spider Verse stuff. Probably, yeah, uh, yeah. More on what is it? Phase five at this point? I have no idea. Is it four? <laughs> yeah, this is the phase four, phase phase five of the MCU at this point. So, no yeah, that's, idea. And especially with the stuff coming out of Ant Man, that we know Kang's probably involved, and this is like, yeah, they're probably going to go big with that stuff. Maybe we'll right. see Secret Wars for some strange reason. Um, I don't know how they would. I mean, there's a way. I would like them to do original Secret Wars, but I know that's probably that could. It's it's tough without Iron Man and Cap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Iron Man, Iron Man in Secret Wars is Rhodey anyway, but it's tough without Cap at least. You know? I mean, realistically, they can bring Cap back though easily. So that's not, you know, that's especially knowing that there's like, you know, this thing going on. The, the, the multiverse thing going on. Right. Or even without that, I mean, they're just like, hey, now we're just going to go back in time and get the real cap back or something. Or, <laughs> I don't know, the, the formula made him young again like they did in the comics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, well, just, because, that? Of, because of time travel, they'll pluck him right out of the time stream. Exactly. It'll be right in between, let's say it'll be right between, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War. Pretty much. You know, but like right before he goes on the run, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, like you're gonna hear some things, but you know, don't worry about that because you know, just just forget that all this happened. But anyway, uh, now we're going yep. to transition over into the comic news. Ooh, and I see an article that I want to pluck out for later because I am curious as to what that's going to be. What that is, but uh, Star Wars fan donates Baby Yoda doll to Oregon firefighters who brings in on calls. So that's sweet. Uh, a young Star Wars fan has donated his, his doll of the Mandalorian's baby Yoda, uh, which leads uh, Agent 70 to say he's 50. 
um, <laughs> to help lift the spirits of Oregon firefighters currently fired, fighting, far, fighting wildfires, excuse me, with baby Yoda now accompanying them out on each call. Uh, five-year-old Carter Carver spent, sent the baby Yoda doll to the firefighters alongside a heartwarming message reading, quote, thank you, firefighters. Here is a friend for you in case you get lonely, quote, unquote. Uh, the note was accompanied by a small love, small love heart and Carver's signature. Uh, he originally purchased the baby Yoda after joining his grandmother on a shopping trip to buy supplies for the firefighters after she heard about a local donation drive. Uh, she would later be informed by the organization organizer of the donation drive, how firefighters love receiving the doll. So that's a nice little story. No. Uh, but next up, Next up, uh, Dr. Doom is putting Marvel's ultimate, in caps, weapon in new hands. Uh, Dr. Doom is finally home after having been framed for the death of, deaths of thousands, betrayed by King the Conqueror, and forced to retake his throne. Well, now it's time for Doom to decide which of his former allies he still trusts. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? That's hmm. a joke. Exactly. After arriving back in Liberia by way of a literal bear... Doom announces that each of his six closest confidants must swear an oath of fealty and prove that they are worthy of a place by his side. While not all of them retain their former positions, one of Doom's closest allies, upon whom he has already granted incredible power, is given what is without a doubt the single most powerful weapon in all of Marvel, the ultimate nullifier. Okay. Yeah, so this is from Doctor... I'm sorry? I said, go out and read that. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, so this is from Doctor Doom number seven from... Last week or week before last, I can't remember which one. I, I kind of alluded to some of that, but I didn't bring up the fact that who had the, the ultimate weapon. Uh, there was also something mm-hmm. else that happened in that issue that I also didn't, uh, 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 and going along with what um, was said. But yeah, definitely read that issue. It was actually pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, next up, though, Marvel Zombies makes House of X's worst future Marvel's last hope. And this is spoilers for Marvel Zombies Resurrection number two, which I don't know when that came up because no one was reading that book. Uh, no mm. one here is reading that book, I should say. Uh, plenty of terrible transformations have happened in the place of the Marvel Universe. The heroes of the Marvel Zombies Resurrection have been fleeing from those horribly changed by the zombie plague. Uh TLDR, uh, they come across people that save themselves by infecting themselves with the trans mode virus. Okay. Yeah, and so apparently the whole thing with the transmitted virus and the phalanx, and of course what we know from Hoxpox uh, being in the X-Men future ends up showing up here in this in this thing. Next. Alright, next up. Uh, George, George with an S at the end, George Gianti uh, takes over Marvel's upcoming U.S. Asian series. Former Buffy the Vampire Slayer artist George Gianti is taking over art duties on the upcoming U.S. Agent Limited series. John Walker, the former Super Patriot, has been stripped of his U- of, of his official U.S. Agent status and is now operating as an independent government contractor protecting government covert interest reads Marvel synopsis for U.S. Agent number one. And it all goes south. So... Um, you know, if you are uh, unfortunately a fan of U.S. Agent, have fun reading that. <laughs> I still have a from uh, the Grunwald uh, Captain America days. So, 
Yeah, and y'all know how I feel about U.S. agents, so we won't go on that. Uh, I will say that every time I hear George Jonty's name, I keep thinking of dude that played uh, Batch Rock in Winter Soldier. Oh, was, uh, yeah. Make sure I all this. I can't remember. I just looked it up and I told him and still forgot. But uh, but I keep thinking about that dude. Um, Marvel recognizes its next class of elite artists, quote unquote, and I did the air quotes like y'all can actually see me at this point um, as Stormbreakers. And I will get to how I feel about this in a second. But for the past 16 years, Marvel Comics has recognized their top up and coming comic artists, uh, naming them as a part of their Young Guns program, Guns program. And now they have a new class of artists and a new name. Eight artists have been named as the inaugural class of Marvel's Stormbreakers, spotlighting those who the publisher feels are, quote-unquote, the next generation of elite artists in the interest industry. And they are uh, Pat Gleason, Josh Kassara, Peach Momoko, uh, Nacha Burstos, Ibn Coelho, Carmen Carnello, Juan Cabal, and R.B. Silva. Now... If those, some of those names sound familiar, yes, they have been doing some work for, for folks that we have talked about for some time now, which is slightly my problem with this, but I'm, it's nice that they're getting recognition. Because it kind of feels like to me, and I'm probably totally wrong about this, so, you know, like these people have already been doing work, and they do great work. Some of them, we definitely know that, so they deserve recognition. But I feel like it's like this is kind of the thing that you would do you know, before these people start actually doing the work as opposed to like, yeah, they've been doing the work and getting the recognition already from, from fans and whatnot, but now we're just going to take and recognize them. Yeah. It's a little tough because and what's funny about this is that I follow, um, the artist Mike Choi Hmm. on Twitter and he was a big, you know, he was a young gun back when they had, when they were called young guns, right? Mm -hmm. He'd been working on force for a while and he did X-Men books and I, you know, I met him, um, you know, got his autograph. But he's since moved on to do lots of like different things, not just comic book stuff. He does painting and you know, kind of delves into a lot of different things. And he, he kind of uh, posted some cynical uh, posts about you know having been named a young gun when it came to this announcement. And yeah, I don't know if it really means that much, but like you said, it's nice to get the recognition, right? Like after these folks have already been doing work and getting, you know, some some sort of light praise from from fans of their work, you know, and fans of what they've been doing. So, um, right. it, it is. I think weird. the. Oh, Go ahead. No, I'm finished. I was just gonna say one of the one of the artists who I saw replied was uh, Nick Bradshaw, who was oh. also named the youngest at some point. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's some understanding amongst the, the, the artist freelance artist community that. Yeah, I guess it's cool, but, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, a big deal. Right. So. Yeah, it just uh, just seems kind of weird. Well, yeah. Next up, Daredevil is, quote, consumed as the title joins the King in Black event. Chip Zdarsky's ongoing Daredevil run is crossing over with the larger King in Black event in January. It all begins with January's Daredevil number 26, the first of a two-part tie-in with the Dark event. Two parts! (laughs) A devil consumed. Matt faces a darkness unlike any before, reads Marvel's solicitation for Daredevil number 26. Meanwhile, Electra may be in over her head for the first time in her life. Daredevil must find the strength to continue the fight as all hell breaks loose. Interesting. Hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm disturbed a little bit by the fact that it's a two-part crossover. You know, milk, 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 milk. 
Yeah. Also, but it's I'm not gonna, like Daredevil needs that kind of support. I think that's one of the more critically acclaimed series, right? Well, now. I'm saying milking as far as the, the the event, not because of Daredevil. I guess. Yeah. No, no. What I was gonna say is they're using in terms of the event, they're using that to boost sales on you know what you would think are underperforming books. That's yeah. my point. I guess so. Sure. Um, but like I mean, you said, that's what they're doing with aliens, aren't they? Oh no! Shots fired. <laughs> okay, I mm, I can't dispute it, but also I, I'm not ready to say that that's that's actually the thing. But you're probably right. <laughs> um, also worth noting that Electra was mentioned, and I, I can't remember if I said it when we talked about Savage Avengers. But I hate the fact that they just used her as a little fling thing with Doctor Strange because that's like whatever. But anyway. Um, speaking of the King in Black, uh, King in Black temporary tattoos coming from Marvel. Uh, Jason Aaron got a real tattoo for the World of the Realms event. Uh, and for Marvel's upcoming King in Black event, they're encouraging fans to get tattoos. Well, temporary tattoos. Marvel is sending out 25-pack bundles of the temporary tattoos to retailers. Uh, with every comic book store guaranteed to, pardon me, excuse me, to receive at least one bundle. Uh, with an additional one through, uh, and I guess that's supposed to be thrown in for every 25 copies of the main King and black number one cover they order. So for, sir, for fans who, for some reason might want an entire bundle to themselves, Marvel is selling them to retailers at $10 a bundle. If you buy it, if you buy a whole bundle and put them on your body, make sure to send news around up. Okay. I, I didn't need, need to say that part. <laughs> Because uh, they're like that goes to for Donny Case himself, you know that's whatever. Um, but sure, that's the thing. If, sure. Next up. Next. See, I made uh, it up. See, uh, you got this one. What are we on? Oh, Marvel Legends six inch retro black cat figure revealed from Hasbro. Hasbro on Monday for the first Monday of the month. Marvel Legends Reveal showed off their Marvel Legends 6-inch retro black cat figure. You can pre-order this figure from BigBadToyStore.com and uh, a couple of other outlets. It's a tribute to the history of Marvel superheroes. The Marvel Retro 6-inch collection um, features some kind of classic renditions. Um, this black cat is Sans fur collar. That's really the biggest uh, difference and less cleavage. So... Uh, far less cleavage than the uh, the last Black Cat that we got several um, Marvel Legends series ago. I think it was like back in 2016 it came out. So mm. for anyone who missed out on that and wants a Black Cat, this is not a bad um, uh, substitute for that figure. Uh, it also comes with a little kitty cat and a modified uh, uh, cat's claw, you know, whip uh, that came with the last Black Cat, with the first Black Cat uh, kind of comic version. The second Black Hat conversion came out a couple of years ago with the, the cat eye costume. Mm-hmm. It came out in Build-A-Figure wave. So. Right. And I guess worth noting, if you're watching the video, you can see the packaging here. It is uh, in, in, invoking the spirit of uh, the 90s uh, Spider-Man uh, animated series. Oh, de- definitely. Just like the rest of the, just like the, rest of the wave. That Correct. The, uh, it's already come out. So, mm-hmm. so there is that. Uh, next up, as this loads, Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales' game gets two companion books. One fiction and one non-fiction. Uh, Titan Books will release two books, one fiction and one non-fiction, as companions to Insomniac's 
Insomniac Games' highly anticipated Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales game, which launches physically and digitally on the PlayStation Store on November 12th, 2020. Uh, let's see. November 10th, uh, Miles Morales game, Wings of Fury, excuse me, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales' Wings of Fury is written by Brittany Morris, the author of the best-selling Slay. I don't know who that is. Um, let's see, it's an adventure that leads up to directly to the start of the game, and it features Miles coming to terms with what it means to be Spider-Man. And then on February twenty-first, twenty twenty-one, Titan will release the full-color coffee table hardback, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales: The Art of the Game by Matt Ralphs. So there you go, two companion books, uh, not for the price of one but with uh, the upcoming game. Next. Alrighty, next up. Um, spoiler alert, Power Rangers uh, sets up Jason, Zack, and Trini's cosmic future. Okay. While the rest of the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are still back on Earth, Jason, Zack, and Trini have all taken to the stars as Omega Rangers, where they're dealing with the arrival of a brand new celestial level threat called the M- The what? The Empyreal? Are you guys reading Marvel Comics? In Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 54, the Empyreal <laughs> explains I think, I think it's Imperial. To be a- uh, is that? Okay, I think it's Imperial. All right. I just think because I, I read it like that because it does look like Empire from True. Marvel. True. The Imperial explains themselves to be a kind of god whose whose actions turn the cycles of existence and whose decisions fuel the tides of death. I, this bad grammar. That's not how Hoos is used. Um, uh, tides of death and rebirth. Just yeah, the, the grammar, the, the grammar Nazi just like came in, right? See, Radica is not the only one that gets annoyed when when there's uh, editing mistakes. Oh, of course not. You can't help it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The American Rangers got stuff to do. Right, and of course, well, I think originally they, you know, the show had them going off for some youth summit or something or other. I can't even remember at this point. But regardless, yeah, this is something. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, though. Loading, loading, loading. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles co-creator takes them down an R-rated path with The Last Ronin. Uh, since the creation in 1987, Teenage Mutant Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have been mostly, well, teenage. That will change in October 28th on October 20th with IDW's publishing TMNT's The Last Ronin. Written by uh, co-creator Kevin Eastman with editor Tom Waltz and drawn by the duo of uh, Asua and Isaac uh, Escorza. The five-issue series um, is Batman The Dark Knight Returns-esque adventure with one mystery turtle battling for survival in a dark, technologically advanced future. Which means it's got to be Donatello, right? Because that's the only one of them fellas who would have the chance to survive with a bow stick in technologically advanced future. I said it here, not even though the the picture that is uh, accompanying this article is suggesting um, who you think it would be. <laughs> Regardless, um, the idea for The Last Ronin was developed by Eastman and TM- TMNT's co-creator Peter Laird way back in the early days of the franchise, but they had uh, held off until now bringing it to life. And the rest of the article is uh, an, um, an interview with uh, Eastman. So you can check that out as your leisure. 
Right. Have you seen the Toys That Made Us episode with the two the, with, with Eastman and Laird? I have not yet, but I do have that um, that series in my queue because I do want to check that whole series out. Seriously, so I, I that is things. one of the best pieces of documentary film I've, I've ever heard. Watched, yeah. When it comes to, like toy stuff, you know, because uh, it you know it actually deals with more the two of them and what happened to them you right. know, over the course of their careers with the turtles. So. And, and 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 it's pretty heartwarming, believe it or not. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I've been meaning to check out because you're not the only one to uh, to mention that series uh, and that episode uh, uh, to me. Powerful, powerful stuff. All right, next up, uh, this is a spoiler alert for uh, Batman Superman number twelve. I think I had to open this article up. Yep, it is. It's one of those things where it's about a book that none of us are reading. Um, so apparently Batman developed an algorithm that uh, predicts the, uh, what the DC supervillains might be doing, but then Brainiac hijacks it, and that's the crux of the story. Because clearly he um, never learns his lesson. Of course. And and uh, it's up to Steel and I think Batwoman to help out because Batman and Superman are under attack from Brainiac and his computer program. Mm, yeah. So there you go. Next up, Death Metal brings back a crucial part of the Wildstorm universe. This is spoiler for Darth, Dark Knight's Death Metal Multiverse's end, number one, which... Excellent! Thank you. Um, came out... I don't know when it came out. It came out last week? I don't know. Regardless... It came out last week, and I think I skimmed, I skimmed it, and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I still don't see how you. Well, I mean, I know y'all like Dark Dark Knights or something. One of y'all did. I can't remember, but I'm like, but like I read it out of morbid curiosity because it's just kind of crazy, right? I'm like, more power to you on that one because that's pretty much why I skipped uh, Justice League the last couple of weeks, or you know, Mm. Uh, with only six universes remaining after Perpetual's war against the multiverse. uh, Remember that whole thing? The race is on to save as many people as possible. Uh, Justice Incarnate, the multiverse's Justice League uh, United, so some would say Justice League United, once more rescue, once once more to rescue the civilians trapped on these evil earths and then blow up the towers they were connected to. Uh, And Dark Knight's Death Metal Multiverse Zen shows how they could possibly rescue and then evacuate everyone living across multiple planets through a familiar DC vessel, the Carrier. I'm not familiar with this vessel, but it goes on to but it goes on to explain uh, the Carrier was a ship formerly operated by the Authority uh, of the Wildstorm Universe, and it returns as the Justice Incarnate's escape plan here. Uh, this 50-mile-long sentient ship... Wow. Sounds nothing like a, a Apocalypse ship from um, X-Factor. Mm-hmm. Nothing possibly. Anyway, this 50-mile-long sentient ship... I believe it was the same length also... Is capable of traveling through the bleed, the space between alternate realities. This gives its passengers an avenue of temporary escape... And by jumping between worlds, few can follow them, and the ship is also powered by a baby universe. Because DC's crazy like that. So there you go. Uh, And I think that is, and there is the tie. And apparently uh, it was first introduced in uh, Warren Hessler's Brian Hitch and Bill O'Neill's The Authority, number one. Um, Which, if that's the book, no, I'm thinking of Planetary, so that's not the book I'm I'm thinking of. So, yeah, anyway, regardless, there you go. 
and it shows up in this thing. So, which we know that whilst they're trying to fold Wildstorm back into DC universes, and this is, I guess this is kind of a way to do that, you know, Secret Wars style. Next up. Next up, DC has postponed plans to republish the first Gen 13 story arc. That makes me feel old. With the long out of print Gen 13 starting over collection now scheduled for a 2022 release. It was originally announced for a May 4th, 2021 debut, but it is now listed. The collection is now listed. Oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. Did we drop? Okay. No, it must have. It it fixed itself. You hung up. You froze for a second, but it. Oh, I I didn't even notice. Yeah, but uh, it fixed itself, looks like. I just heard you say, "Uh uh-oh. That's weird. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, it was weird cause you froze and then I heard a beep and then it, it, it fixed itself. So let me make sure that, okay. Yeah. We're still going. We're good. Carry on. All right. Cool. All right. So gen 13. Oh, wow. This is, a, this is old school, man. This is Chase Scott Campbell, Jim Lee, Brandon Choi. Uh, gen 13 is part of the dormant Wildstorm universe, a line of comics created by uh, Jim Lee during his time at image. DC acquired Wildstorm back in 1999 and continued to run it as a subsidiary until 2010. Uh, For the past few years, we've seen few and far in between appearances by Wildstorm characters in the DCU, but as Rydicap mentioned, we saw the Authority's carrier in Dark Knight's Death Metal, Multiverse's End Number 1, and Grifter is planned to be reintroduced in Batman 101 later this month. Yes, and so uh, sadly, you will. Some of you will have to wait to get um, some of Jake Scott Campbell's impossibly angled women uh, figures. Hey, there's always Black Widow variant covers. Uh, yeah, sure, but uh, that's, hey man, that's what I buy. <laughs> that's it's still ridiculous, but anyway, yeah, that's a thing. Um, did you ever read Gen Thirteen? Here and there. Okay, I didn't read it when it first came out. Gotcha. Just here and there. Yeah, I've only heard about it in whispers. Uh, DC Far Sector writer N.K. Jemison named as MacArthur Fellow. So shout out to her. Didn't like I said, didn't get a, Yeah, very much. Um, well, not very much because I didn't read it, but you know what I mean. Uh, DC's Far Sector writer N.K. Jemison has been named as a part of the 2020 class of MacArthur Fellows. She is among a group of 21 named in this year's honors. Uh, quote, Jimison is broadening the spectrum of participants in speculative fiction's uh, creation and surrounding fandom through her published works, as well as her world-building building workshops, uh, frequent interviews, and active presence on social media. And she very much is a new follower. Uh, reads John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation's uh, write-up of the author. So, in addition to Far Sector for DC, uh, Jimison is also the author of the prose novels The Fifth Season, The Obelisk Gate, and The City She Became. She's the first author to have won the Hugo Author for, uh, Award, excuse me, for Best Novel in three consecutive years for novels in the same trilogy. And she also streams on Twitch every now and then. Okay. Next up. All right. Next up, the 2020 Harvey Award winners have been revealed. Um... Uh, the Hollywood Reporter exclusively can exclusively reveal the winners of the 2020 Harvey Awards. The official award ceremony is actually later this week. So this is a gigantic spoiler, apparently, unless it came out already. 
maybe yeah i'm not sure right so uh book of the year is dragon hoops by Jean luen yang uh, i'm just going to just highlight a couple the best children or a young adult book is superman smashes the clan by Jean luen yang and Guru from dc comics um best adaptation from a comic book graphic novel is watchmen by hbo based on watchmen dc comics okay yeah so apparently if at, at the time of this well i guess it is kind of a spoiler because it looks like the award ceremony is going to happen on october 9th which is well granted it's just today. Nice. yeah which is today as of the Later. recording because we just passed right. midnight doing this recording so we're going to speed this up just a little bit more and say we, we don't have much left really break in at uh uk comics distribution warehouse leads to delays for comic stores around the world Ooh. yeah uh diamond comic distribution have been informed have informed retailers that the company's warehouse in the uh, united kingdom was ransacked over the weekend affecting planned comic uh, comics distribution to comic stores who utilize diamond as their distributor uh, quote unquote, I'm afraid that I have to report that the Diamond UK warehouse facility, facility has been broken into over the weekend. Reads a letter from the distributor uh, to affected retailers sent Monday morning. We've been working with the police and their forensics team throughout the day, but have been unable to access the building for most of the day. We are now in a position to start cleaning up the mess and devastation that the thieves have left behind and are aiming to reopen the UK warehouse. Tuesday morning, uh, as of, so that's, I guess, this Tuesday coming as of this article. Um, that sucks. And I would say who would want hot stuff, 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 but that's doesn't matter in certain cases, but mm-hmm. that's messed up. Um, and yeah, and I don't know if, uh, if anyone like, clearly this is affecting folks around the world, whether your local uh, place here in the States is going to be drastically affected by that, I guess we'll find out. No, that's mostly, yeah, I was going to say this is mostly European, African, right. Middle Eastern, anyone who is getting their comics shipped from um, Diamond UK. Right. Uh, you know, that's, um, what you call it, that's... Uh, well, yeah, that's just their, a, yeah mostly non-American comic shops. So, yeah, so we should be all right here in the States, but that still sucks. Mm-hmm does uh next up though next up so this is kind of sucky the um diamond comic distributors has informed comic book retailers that the walter simonson's the mighty thor artisan edition the cheaper version of the artist edition trade paperback edition published back in june contains multiple misprints resulting in several cutoff pages however they also know that the book will not be reprinted here's a look at some of the pages in question consider it more of a warning in case it's an issue it's not terrible um, if you go to the website, uh, this is a boot and pull story and the picture that they show the cutoff isn't that bad. Like it's just like, it's missing like a corner here and there on the right. page, but, um, it's probably not every cutoff page. Right. Like that was, yeah, they just only show one picture of it. So I know telling what else is, is in there that might be messed up, but at the same time, yeah, it's not, if it's, if it's all like that, it's not as bad as what it could be, but they're basically not yeah. doing any reprints of this. So. Um, I mean, I think that's. All, I think they're 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 making a mountain out of a molehill. At least from the picture that I'm seeing, right? Like, that's literally not a big deal at all. Well, see, it's that was, on a page that doesn't affect anything that's actually in the story time. Right, and like I said, if it's if it's all like that, it's not that big a deal. I, you know, I I hesitated about even bringing this up because one, this is the only place that I've seen this article, and there, and I kind of generally doesn't don't like doing a lot of bleeding cool stuff for this reason. Um, 
but just in case it's, I don't know. I don't know. So if I had seen this other way, you know, well, I, I probably would have still not done it. Uh, regardless, that is what it is. Last but not least, a little, little fun story. No, it's not last. But click refresh on your page. Oh, wait, did you? You did have something, did you not? Uh, oh, okay. So next to the last but not least um, is a fun little story. Uh, that's not comic related, but kind of is if you if uh, by the but and you'll see what I'm talking about. Scientists claim evidence of parallel universe where time runs backwards. So parallel universes are something any sci-fi fan worth their salt knows about, thanks to the decades of pop culture where they've been de- where they've depicted everything from an evil Spock with goatee to a Spider Verse where Miles Morales teams up with fellow web slingers. Uh, purported evidence of a parallel universe was put forth back in 2015, and now scientists believe that they have discovered evidence of not only a neighboring parallel universe, but one where time runs backwards. So not only is a parallel universe, it's a bizarre world. <laughs> um, that was that was me saying that, but not the article. According to the New York Post, uh, scientists conducted cosmic ray detection experiments in Antarctica, of all places. Um, conducting cosmic ray detection experiments in Antarctica have uncovered what they believe is evidence of a parallel universe where the laws of physics differ from our own. Uh, if this is not the start of a, a brand new series, I don't know what is. Uh, comic series, I don't know what it is. They reportedly detected high-energy particles rising out of Antarctica, which is contrary to how these particles are supposed to behave. Since they are supposedly only being be able to detect it when they come down from space, uh, to detect a heavier particle, a tau neutrino, coming up from the Earth would imply that these particles are actually traveling backwards in time. Or the Avengers are trying to merge two worlds and we just don't know about it. Oh my goodness. That's funny. That's <laughs> but, funny. So yeah, I would ask you was that? Oh no, I was about to say if you're not done with that, go ahead. Um well just the one that's noted scientists believe that a parallel such a such a parallel universe would be the result of the Big Bang over thirteen million thirteen billion years ago, where not only was our universe formed, but this parallel one as well. And then there's gotcha. a breakdown from new scientists. What you were going to say? Got it. No, I was going to say, make sure you open this last article. Oh, yeah, I did. Go for it. Take it. Oh, because um, I want you to see it. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I got so, it. Like a line drive out of nowhere. Amazon has listed. I saw I caught wind of this on a tweet. <laughs> Amazon has listed a new exclusive for a Marvel Legends five pack. And it's a big one. The Children of Thanos features Thanos from Avengers and actually Endgame, really. Um, with a post-snap alternate head and arm, along with four of his minions, Proxima Midnight, Ebony, Maw, Corvus, Glaive, and Call Obsidian. It's listed at $119 with a December 15th ship date, just in time for Christmas. I ordered mine already. Because... Someone's missing from the Black Order. From the comic Black Order or from the movie Black Order? Probably both, but definitely comic. Well, the comic Black Order also had Black Swan. Well, yeah, but she wasn't a part of, like, the Black Order like that. I mean, she was, but kind of in a different sense. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But, and yeah, they definitely didn't do it in movie form, which this this version is doing. I, I recognize that fact. But I feel like there was... Did they have five in the movie, or am I tripping? No, it's four. 
Was it four in the movie? Okay. Well, regardless, carry on. It was four, as I recall. Now you're gonna I, yeah, me- I mean, I do remember all four of these people, but I feel like like they did not have the the fifth person in there, or was I, that actually Black Swan, and they Black just didn't? Swan. I think it was Black Swan. Now I'm going to look. But what's cool about this is that I honestly was – I think I even mentioned it on the show um, uh, that um, I re- kind of regretted not, not picking up the Black Order even though they were um, – you know the, the MCU version and not the comics version. Super giant, right? But that's a but that's a, what you call it. I think that's supposed to be that's uh, Obsidian, the big guy. Um, oh no, I think they super giant in the comics. So I don't think they ever carried him over into the movies. Uh right. Right, super giant was the super giant. I guess was in the was in the. Um, the original story right but super giant never made it into the movies right but i could have sworn um super giant gets killed and it's essentially um what's we'll call it it's essentially the black swan that's well i'm not sure about that part but we know black swan was black swan was black, black swan was definitely with them but i'm not i don't know if she was actually uh, like a member member mm-hmm. like she might have been more of a hound or something i don't remember Regardless, you know, um, the, the four from the movie are right here, and it's a look, good-looking set. Right. I love it because I wanted I, – I was really tempted to build this because, as we've all stated, or at least as I've stated, I'm a huge fan of the Infinity miniseries that, that, that Hickman did mm-hmm. during his Avengers run. As that, I, was, I was absolutely floored by that. There's great art in it and just some great storytelling. And um, – I really was impressed that um, that they brought uh, the Black Order to life on uh, on screen as well. And while they're not completely, while they're obviously movie movie accurate now, they're more movie accurate now because the previous versions of these characters produced um, for Marvel Legends were all um, based off of promo art. Um, these are now you know more solidly based on what actually appeared in the movie. Um, Still, I'm glad to be able to put together the Black Order so that I can do some Infinity stuff. Right, a version of yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how much different are you going to get? Uh, at least Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight. I mean, true. You're right. Yeah, you know how much di- you know? Like, uh, obviously, you would rather have comic accurate. I would rather have comic accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm more than willing to 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 um, to. Uh, to fold these characters in because they don't delve that. I mean, look at Corvus Glaive. Corvus Glaive basically is his comic counterpart. Sure. You know, I mean, because no, and, and is knowing the one, that the, the one that looks the most different, and the Ebony Maul looks essentially the same too. So. Sure. I mean, and I'm saying this knowing you, and like you just said, like you would, you know, prefer the the, the comic accurate ones. You know, the same. And you are right that. These definite versions, despite being the movie version, are you know as similar as the comic versions is probably we're going to get at least some of them anyway. So right, cool either way though. Right, very happy about this because I definitely, um, I definitely had said that uh, I was not happy about you know the fact that Call Obsidian was a builder figure. Mm-hmm. And Corvus Glaive was like a, a limited two pack with like uh, MCU Loki. And, you know, forget trying to track those down for decent prices, you know? Hmm. Yeah. So now they're putting these out 
they're putting these out in a in a in a you know one in a in a five pack. That's pretty cool. Indeed, indeed. And do we have a word on price? One hundred nineteen dollars. Okay. That's sure. fair. Yeah, that's you know, two bad. of these are actually builder figures. Thanos I mean, that's pretty much a, a set figure. price. Yeah, Thanos is a builder figure, and um, so is um, which we'll call it the big guy. Yeah, Calypso. I was about to say not to be confused with the Hulk, but yes. <laughs> not yeah, 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 no, true, 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 true enough, true enough, true enough. So, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, Cor- was a member of that was a was a two pack guy. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, enjoy yeah, that when you get it. Pretty enthusiastic about it. I right, some, so uh, somehow it. I didn't expect you to be as enthusiastic as enthusiastic as you are about it, but hey, I'm happy for it. Only because I literally was thinking about this maybe a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Like it crossed my mind, like, oh man, it's a it's a shame I'm not going to be able to put together um, uh, a Black Order, and they literally put the entire team together on the on their own. Yeah, you know, I just wish that uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of uh, um, of things that we all kind of hope that they would put out um, as uh, a special figures, you know, that were builder figures that people just didn't, you know, necessarily care about putting together, like the kingpin. Right. They put one, they put out, uh, and that made me that made me instantly happy that I did not um, put that put that uh, that wave together. Although before we close off the show, I don't have um, have them with me, but I stopped at a comic book store on Long Island. While I was on my hunt for Storm and Thunderbird, which I'm going to remind you of at Target now, hmm. and you don't think I'm not going to try to check around the Target by my sister's house? Well, I would I would expect nothing less. In the wilds of upstate New York, to see if I could pick up a, a, a Storm and Thunderbird. Hmm. Um, but um, I was going to say that uh, I picked up a Night Thrasher without, you know, like a, a loose Night Thrasher with all of his uh, stuff, and it was pretty cool. And I also picked up a loose bulldozer. So I am one-fourth of my way to the wrecking crew. <laughs> nice. So I'm never going to put that wrecking crew together. It's going to be impossible unless, I'm deci- unless I decide to put up some big bucks. So hmm. no, It's going to be tough. But um, anyway, that'll wrap uh, this week's uh, episode of Pseudo Toy Corner because I don't mm-hmm. have any toys to show Right. So. Well, I can. I, it says you can get that two pack ordered to a store. It doesn't seem like there's one here, though. Where Target? Yeah. On the Target website. Yeah, Target says like, I, I can get it. I can get it uh, shipped to the store to pick up. Really? Yeah. That's I was about to say update. That is an update from where we've been over the last week. So they might have it in stock online. Oh yeah, exactly. Yep. So you could. Um, yeah. Would be very helpful. Well, let, we can handle this after we so, wrap yeah, the show. So, yeah, you oh. take care of that. Well, well, actually, you take care of this ad read. Well, you know. All right. Our last ad read of the night when we're running along is always Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click to keep our podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today.
And as we come to an end of another episode of the Comic Chronicles, we would like to thank each and every one of you folks for coming out and th- and or sticking with us this long. Because I know this wasn't a long one, but sometimes we ha- that happens when there's news. Uh, I suspect because of uh, uh, New York, I, New York's uh, virtual Comic Con, there's probably going to be no, more next week. Just, just saying. Uh, with that, I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Hold on, it just says it's out of stock. Oh, I tried to add it to my cart and it's now out of stock. Oh, oh really? <laughs> well, live update, folks. Uh, you can also find uh, Agent Underscore Seventy on Twitter at that, uh, and also on Instagram at Agent Underscore Seventy. Right, check out my uh, Inktober stuff, and you also find me at local targets looking for the star. (laughs) (laughs) Just look for the guy in sunglasses muttering under his breath. Probably with a Captain America shirt. Exactly. He is. He is not joking, folks. I'm telling you, he is not joking. But you can also find PCN underscore dirt at PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. You can also find him at PopCultureNet on Twitter. You can also find him at PopCultureNetwork.com and some umbrella sites therein. You can also see him, find him, uh, I assume he's still doing this. I really need to ask him about that. Uh, on Byte under Comic Reviews, No Vowels. And if you didn't know, Byte was the Vine replacement, but there's no replacing Vine. Let's face it, TikTok's probably come close, but whatever's. Uh, Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter, the Osiris of this ish, and I and I and I say that because uh, you know, with, without Tim, there wouldn't be no Comic Book Chronicles, uh, and without the Coastal the Podcast, <laughs> there would be no Coastal the Podcast Network. But hey, you know, it's all that. Uh, but yes, Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter, uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's D K L I Q N A T I O N. Uh, the CB Crime, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account, uh, theclicknation.com, and also uh, Combo Resources, which is over to Rightness Face Off. Uh, you can find us also here on the Combo, uh, sorry, on speaking of the CSPN, you can find us at the Coast of the Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Do it today. Sometimes I wonder about editing some of the some of the stuff, but no, I'm not doing that. I'm too lazy for that because um, there is a lot of stuff I would be doing. Regardless, uh, you could also find us at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. As he's still searching for high and low for these figures or whatever he's doing. <laughs> I am absolutely. You absolutely got that damn I know. Right. I know. I know you. I know this for a fact. <laughs> uh, we we have spent too long in this in this situation to not know this to not know this. But regardless, um uh, where am I? Oh, like you can see me intently looking at my. Absolutely, my, at I, my I know when this dude is like, okay, he's either watching football, which we already established has not been the case, but in and he's looking for his Marvel figures, doggedly, as he said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, stay tuned next week. Um, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, every Thursday night, nine thirty ish p.m. 
on uh, the Click Nation's YouTube channel or on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles where we go live every week on that date and time um thank you you can also find us of course after the fact that on the aforementioned uh cspn.us and all that kind of good mess where the audio comes out sometime during the weekend like saturday and sunday uh and we will of course tweet that out when that happens uh on our social medias Therein, folks, we are done here. Stay tuned next week for more uh, New York Comic Con news and other, you know, assorted news from the comic book universe. This has been. I was about to say we're also going to get Baltimore Comic Con stuff too. Oh right, wait, are they? They, they do also do a um. Patrol too. Yeah, because they're usually a week after anyway. So yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a fun couple of weeks, folks. Um, it's probably going to be some of the same stuff, though. I would imagine, oh, you know, whatever didn't come out of New York, uh, that somebody waited for Baltimore. Because at this point, since it's virtual, they'll probably split some of that stuff. Probably, which, which makes sense. But anyway, stay tuned next week, and we'll bring you some of that. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll definitely be bringing you as much as we can about that stuff. This has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Well, go down, boy. That's what I want you to do. It's, it's Dr. Doom. What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue. You mock my words well. What about this woman that you are really hired, Mr. Stark?